on episode 61 of Pixel Guide In. Do we still feel nostalgia for old games? A new Nintendo handheld? Six good TI-99 4A games. Eric laughs inappropriately again. The C64 games that won Cody's heart. Tim plays with a space helmet. And Eric plays miniature pinball. And now Cody's playing modern stuff? And finally, all three guys drink beer together. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Cody Hoffman. I am Eric Nelson. And welcome to the June 30th episode of Pixel Guide In. Episode number 61? 61. Question mark? Question mark? Is this Eric Nelson? <laughs> Eric Nelson? Um, so fun fact. Okay. For regular listeners, we are recording this episode closer to the 30th this time. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pulling the curtains back and showing you how the sausage is made. <laughs> exactly. We usually do uh, two, two episodes at once and release them in you know 15th and 30th. This one we're actually having to record separately because we want to make sure our boy Tim gets to join us here in just a few moments, which he will do. Yep. Um, really quick, just make sure everyone knows we are part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. All kinds of amazing shows on there like the Amigos, ARG Presents, um, Sprite Castle, uh, our, our show, Pixel Guy. Yeah, Dan. it's on there too. Uh, Arson Claire, Coco Show, and uh, is 1200XL still going strong? It is, it is. I just heard their latest one was on Montezuma's Revenge. I do love that game. I just, yeah, and on I just. Every platform. I just listened to it yesterday and it was actually a very good, good episode. And then something we want to make sure everyone knows is that Amigathon 2021 is coming up July 24th, starting at 12 noon UTC. Uh, it's in aid of Extra Life, playing game, games to heal kids. And to find out more details or to donate, go to Amigathon.com, which I actually did pop up here. And you can see all our boys all digitized right there on the screen. And we already have a bunch of donations and stuff. They're trying to get to a $5,000 goal. And uh, before the Amigathon actually starts on the 24th, they're already uh, 20% there. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. They, I don't know how long it is this, this year, but uh, I think it's 12 hours straight of them playing games. It's twelve hours on video of, and twelve hours of them playing games, and then afterwards, a bunch of uh, friends of the show are doing streams afterwards. So there's a bunch of time slots you can sign up for if you're, I think, uh, on their Discord or whatever. And, and I think so you can donate and pick a game they have to play. Yeah. So if you want to pick something just awful, yeah, please do. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I would enjoy it profusely. Uh, Eric. Yeah. Let's dive right into some quick questions. All right, so our first quick question is from Tim. He says, if you could have and afford one original arcade cab in your home, what would it be? Now, this one we've answered in the past. We have. I don't know if your answer has changed or not. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't mind asking these questions, you know, a few months later and see if your ideas change. Um, I mean, it's been about a year and a half, so we've got we've got plenty of new listeners yeah. since then. Yep, I think for me the answer is always the same. I would like an original Street Fighter Two Championship Edition. Okay, 
That would be because that's the cabinet I love to play. I'd probably get a ton of play. Yeah, I would get a ton of play. I I, I would have people over. We play. I, I like playing the single player and seeing how far I can get. Um, I would. That's that would be my answer. What about you, Galaga? Right? <laughs> uh, no, that might be a close second. New. Um, <laughs> no. um, I would stick with my answer, which is I would like. You've kind of taught me to learn to love the hardware more than the software because I can play the software, emulate it on lots of different things. That's true. Uh, but what I can't play, although they did make an arcade one up of one of these, mm-hmm. is the original Star Wars arcade. Yes. Vector based with the real vector screen and the yeah. crazy yoke controls. Yeah. I think that would be the coolest um, original thing. That might have been my answer last time, wasn't it? No. No, was it Street Fighter? I think it was Street Fighter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can't even remember. <laughs> but I think when I brought up mine, you said, ooh, that way that might be one too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Although, to be fair, I've never actually owned a real arcade machine. I've owned multiple pinballs, and I would choose a pinball over any arcade machine fair, any day. Fair enough. Almost any pinball over any arcade game, just because there's so much replayability. Yeah. You cannot replicate that experience. Yeah. So. What would be a runner-up? Because I'll tell you my runner-up, because I just thought about this. Go this for is it. What what, really what's your runner-up? After having played it on our show and not using the actual equipment, I think I'd like to have an off-road. Like okay. one of those, like, like a the steering wheel, wheel like stand the, up or the, sit down. Or? The, the three, I, I think I'd want the three wheel stand up. Okay. That one is fun with playing with other people as well. And I love just whipping that wheel around and going <laughs> around those corners with turbo. That would be my runner. That's a good one. That's a yeah. good one. Actually, I, it's funny. I didn't think of this sooner, but it's the only one I actually do want to purchase because Star Wars are crazy expensive and they hardly ever work. Yeah. Uh, I, I am actively trying to find a Neo Geo cab. So I would love a Neo Geo a two cab or four too. slot. Uh, and, a real one. and to me, that wouldn't matter as much. I would like a Neo Geo cab, no matter if it's two or four slot, because frankly, you can just open it and swap the cartridges out. I mean, it's not a big deal. But I just want, I like to have at least the ability to see the two screens go back and forth. Oh, I see. You know, just yeah, and the, the two slot doesn't do that. Two slot does. Oh, okay. Well, single slot doesn't, obviously. Right, right, one right, right. That's fair. That's fair. But frankly, knowing me, I'd just go out and buy the multi-cart for it. Oh, I would. Yeah. No. <laughs> so it's all a moot point, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because, uh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, we could also throw in our candy cabs that we both have been wanting for a long time, too. Oh, I would love that, too. I, th- At your Astro City and my Egret. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. So for the second quick quick question of the month, uh, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I want to ask you, now that we play games and have played games for so long, uh, retro video games, Yeah. Um, do you still feel that nostalgia from when you were a kid? Is that still part of it for you? Yeah, it is. But only when I play certain systems, like Commodore 64, the VIC-20, any kind of Atari, like the old Ataris that I had. Um, But diving into the newer machines and newer consoles, I'm really enjoying that, too. And it is is a weird thing to feel almost like weird nostalgia for games you only read about it as a kid but never actually played. Yeah. Like, as you know, I've been getting really into original Nintendo Entertainment System games and beating them and realizing... if only I had this when I was a kid, yeah, I would have had an absolute blast with these games. What about you? I uh, obviously have some preferences based on those things when I was a kid, but I honestly, at this point, have played a lot more retro video games than I did when I was... I mean, what was yeah. that magic age that from your kid, maybe from when you were 6 to 12? Yeah. And I've been doing this now for like 15 years. Right. So that was only 6 years. How can you feel <laughs> nostalgia about something you've done way more as an adult? That's true. That's um, true. 
So anyways, I, I really don't get it very much anymore. And that's not honestly why I do it. I hear a lot of people say this is all about nostalgia. Well, I think it it's a preference that came from when I was a kid. I wouldn't know if it's about nostalgia for me anymore. And it also gets you into it, but it, it ultimately isn't the end goal is Mm-mm, to just, just have nostalgia. I, I like to learn about all these games I never did try mm-hmm. and having a blast with them. That's what I'm enjoying. I've what, what has really opened my eyes is UK, like UK systems are yeah. so interesting and I didn't know anything about them as yeah. a kid. See what I'm, I'm not nostalgic. I am in an alternate reality from when I was a kid. Right. That's what I'm at. Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> Excellent. So coming up in this episode, again, we'll have Tim here very shortly. Uh, We have a wee bit more news to add to last uh, episode, because other things have happened, and why not? We get the chance to record again, so let's update a few things that are really cool. Um, We, of course, are going to do our game show, the three of us, which we love to do. I will be the MC today. Right on. Um, And then we have a Cody's Corner segment as well, which will be coming up very shortly. And uh, that is, actually, we didn't plan this, but it's kind of in conjunction with Tim's uh, Commodore 64 starter guide. Yeah. Which I almost did exactly that, but instead I did uh, the games that got me addicted to the, what I call it, the brown bread bin in 2014. Awesome. Um, Which, uh, a little bit of a spoiler slash hint, mostly new games, not a whole lot of older games in there, but... Okay. But, uh, yeah, you gotta listen to find out. Um, and then, of course, we are going to catch up, talk about everything we've been doing and collecting, and finish it off with a six good game segment where Cody, Eric, and Tim talk six good TI-99 4A microcomputer games. Yeah, it was fun. Fun month of playing TI games. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at Project D-U-H Project. You can reach the show at at pixel underscore Gaiden. You can reach Cody at at oddball, which is ODDBA1149. You can reach Tim at sanction, at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there. Um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. This week, let's check out what's coming up at the Midnight Movie Theater. This summer, coming to a cinema near you, an exciting, high-octane set of movies from Pixel Gaiden Studios. A custodian from South Detroit is tired of what his city's become. Featuring the transcendent Henrik Lofel, the palpable Dustin Newell, the enamored Matthew Ackerman, and -and up-and-coming star, the pungent Daniel James. When the going gets tough, the tough take out the trash. The magnanimous Josh Malone is the janitor. Self-proclaimed pacifist David Vincent was put into prison for a crime he did not commit. 
But now, with a sentence of 20 to life, the tables have turned. Featuring the hyperactive 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, the perplexed Roy Fielding, the clamorous Mr. Toast, and the slimy Maciej Sosnowski, comes a heart-pounding new film about a self-made cyborg gone rogue. Death Row better watch its back when they encounter Paranoid Paradroid. In a sleepy town in West Virginia, isolated and alone, strange things begin to happen when a few families begin to marry and murder. Featuring the shiny Ramoke Ramoke, the brackish Ant Stiller, the overglad Mitsuyama, and the Fascinic Hermski. Family bloodlines and the paranormal coexist in Kissing Cousin Poltergeist. And finally, a fun-loving tale about a boy, his dog, and an animated human arm? The Tellable Citizen, the notated Gary Heather, and the Ursary Brian Arsenal take command when they answer the question, How do you take care of a pet human appendage? Coming this summer, hang loose. And now, for your feature presentation. So thank you again, all you Patreon followers and everybody else who gives us feedback. We really appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Uh, But for now, let's just jump right in into Cody's Corner. Cody's Corner! This month, I wanted to highlight my history with the Commodore 64, because I think it was quite different, and more importantly, highlight some of the games that helped me fall in love with the little brown bread bin back in 2014. Yes, that's right, in 2014. So we'll get to those very shortly, and I'll uh, go over those games. They remain some of my favorite games of all time on the system today. Um, But first, I wanted to kind of do a quick uh, debrief on the history of, again, with the Commodore 64. For those who might have heard it on the show already, I apologize. I'll make it quick, but I think it's interesting enough to go into. So, back in 2014, uh, I was already into collecting retro video games, um, kind of been into old games my whole life, and uh, was really big into importing games at that particular period, and I had just imported a large lot of Sega Saturn games, and some of the games I did not care for as much I was selling off on eBay. Um, One such game is a fighting game called Groove on Fight. And I was selling that game because I do not care for fighting games. I did, I just did not have a lot of love for them. And some guy on eBay bought it from me and asked if we could meet in person here in Elk Grove, which was kind of sketchy. But it turns out that person was my now show co-host, Eric Nelson. And um, it was interesting. We met at a Starbucks. We exchanged the game, of course. And we ended up talking for like an hour in that Starbucks about all kinds of things. Um really uh, started to become friends right then. And one of the things he had told me about was the Commodore 64. Um, Now, the Commodore 64, I had heard of that term before. I did not know exactly what it was. I knew it wasn't a console. Uh, I knew it was some kind of computer or something, but I really had no idea. Um, Now, keep in mind, in 2014, you know, I'm I'm, uh, 31, 30, something like that. And the truth is, the most of my experience with the system was from looking at 
pictures inside of Retro Gamer Magazine. Now, Retro Gamer Magazine is, of course, based out of the UK, where microcomputers were much more prevalent. Uh, the Commodore 64 and ZX Spectrum, I now know, uh, being two of the biggest ones, along with Amiga later on. And I was, uh, you know, subscribing and buying these magazines, loving all the stuff I was familiar with, and having to flip past all these pages of these crazy brown colors of the Commodore 64 and the bright garish neon colors from the ZX Spectrum, not knowing really what they were, and really just kind of seeing um, Retro Gamer Magazine as half full of stuff I had no interest in. Um, but now this guy's here in front of me talking about it. And then he tells me about another uh, thing he was really nerding out on at the moment, and that was a program on his phone called Tap Dance, which he was telling me you could load... Uh, video game ROM images, if you will, onto your Commodore through the phone app by plugging it in with a you know a, an eighth inch jack and downloading the game that way, basically replacing the data cassette that you would normally use to load games on back then, particularly in England, but also to a lesser extent here in the U.S. And that was another mind blowing thing to me. I had no idea that audio files could be played and turned into a program. So now the seed has been planted, and the Commodore 64 is kind of on the edge of my mind. And I would say roughly a year later, I finally, um, you know, Eric and I had texted back and forth uh, sparsely, and I finally made the plunge and said, whatever, I'm going to buy one of these things on eBay. I see they're starting to go up. Let me just grab one. And I got lucky with a nice example of a bread bin Commodore 64. Um, if you're watching the video, you can see it here. And I uh, got a couple of really cool accessories with it. Um First of all, the feature was 8-bit uh, device shown here, the SD2IEC, which allows me to load files uh, using an SD card. And um, to this day, this is what I still use, and I love it. And then also, this uh, item here, which I've talked about previously on the show, it is called the 64JPX, and it allows me to use not only a you know, your standard controllers, but now I can plug in... Um, the Nintendo controller and the a couple other controllers. I think Super Nintendo, this one also does Genesis. Anyways, and it pr does a couple things. It allows you to um, map a button, one of the buttons, to up. So up can be jump. And then it also allows um, the protection from uh, things like the Genesis controller that can allow shorts in the Commodore and, and, and blowed stuff up. So at this point, I had plugged these things in and was trying to fight my way through working with the Commodore 64. Up to this point, I've only watched Eric's videos he had on YouTube. He only did a couple, but he did a, a video on Raid on Bungling Bay and also one of his favorite games. I think his favorite Commodore 64 game, Paradroid. Um, and I was instantly in shock, if you will, uh, fighting with this thing for, I think, at least a full night, if not two nights, trying to get things to load correctly, not understanding how the computer worked, why it wasn't just a video game where you plug it in and it goes, um, not understanding a computer computer that didn't have a, a GUI interface like the Macintosh I had grown up on. I had never been a DOS gamer. I had never worked with command prompts or understood how things load. Uh, everything was kind of spoon-fed to me by the modern, more modern technologies, if you will. So learning this was a whole different thing. I remember trying to, of course, start with some of the hardest games, um, multi-load games, uh, which uh, were very difficult because I did not understand, again, the file structure. And then I also was trying to load games like Monster in, uh, was it Mayhem in Monsterland, which uh, basically fills up the entire memory. So 
the fact that I was using um, a program to load a file browsing system, that was eating into the memory. So when I would load Mayhem in Monsterland over that, there wasn't enough ones and zeros left to fit the whole game in, and it would just crash every time. I also learned the difference between PAL and NTSC uh, games. Not, I mean, I knew there was a difference, but I never thought about it when I was trying to load games, and they would kind of run, um, that those might be PAL games. So lots of things, uh, lots of learning curve here with me on this. When I finally did get the system up and running, the first game I had loaded up was one I'd heard a lot about, and that was Impossible Mission. And thank goodness that was one of the ones I started with because I instantly fell in love with the system, right, with this game. I remember creating maps uh, to try to figure out what rooms had what in it. I was trying to, uh, you know, complete the game and all, but I wanted to go to the easy rooms first and try to get as far as I could before I tried the harder rooms. Um, Found out, of course, that the rooms are kind of procedurally generated and they're not always in the same place, so my map had to be remade every time. Um, I did notice that the game was quite... uh, kind of jerky and kind of I want to say the movement was kind of stunted compared to you know 8-bit stuff that I had played in the past NES and Macintosh um and that was true of a lot of the original games I started with um so moving on from there I I I ended up playing Paradroid uh which is of course a great little game here um about a robot that's kind of infiltrating this spaceship on different levels and you have to kind of fight harder and harder robots it's kind of half action shooting game top down and then these cool little puzzle elements in between um eric did a whole video on it so i knew kind of what to expect but uh to this day it hasn't clicked with me completely and i can't really load it right up and just enjoy it i kind of have to like read the instructions every time and try to get into it um and from there i tried uh, Bruce Lee, which is again another one of these top 10 games that when I go on the internet and search out what games I should try, you know, these pop up instantly. And Bruce Lee was kind of cool, um, but it also kind of let me notice that games on the Commodore, and now I know a lot of microcomputers, were kind of um, unrefined. Uh, it's a great, fun game. I did enjoy playing it, but kind of like some of the things I'm used to on, you know, Japanese made NES games where hit detection solid uh there's one way to do things in these games you can kind of like hang on to a pixel and kind of like glitch your way through things or uh some of the things you're meant to do don't look obvious but now once you get a feel for what (laughs) where where hit detection is and how things land you kind of kind of fudge your way across it and that's kind of how the game was made to be played it's interesting um so i had fun with it again not didn't fall instantly in love with this one but a solid game and then I had heard great things in uh, the Retro Gaming Magazine about a series uh, called Monty, and I had tried a game called Monty on the Run, which has a, an amazing, very recognizable soundtrack um, from Moran Hubbard. And uh, I did love the soundtrack, but instantly knew that these games are so pixel-perfect, and now I know there's a lot of these on the Commodore um, specifically British games or, or European-based games um, that I just I cannot handle the picture-perfect stuff. Um, I also tried The Last Ninja, which was which is well-known, and I don't think that one it, you know holds up very well nowadays. Kind of this action-adventure game, isometric, which drives me nuts, um, with kind of like you have to collect all these things and use them in different places while fighting other ninjas haphazardly in these punch battles. Um 
And then I finally did, with Eric's help, get Mayhem and Monsterland uh, connected and working. And it always still felt a little weird on my Commodore because I had not realized that I was running a PAL version. So it was always kind of glitchy. And even though the colors were happy and bright, more like an NES, um, they still felt muddy to a point on how I can explain that they're both happy and bright and muddy. But uh, the gameplay was more to my uh, comfort zone and enjoyed playing bits of that game. So when did I know the Commodore was awesome and I loved it and I wanted to keep doing the Commodore moving forward? Well... It was when I found out people were still making zounds of games, if I can use that word. And uh, I found these kind of, you know, I hate you'd hate to call them homebrew because they're really not homebrew, but these commercial releases that have been coming out since, well, the 2000s. Um, but it started with one game in particular. I mentioned on the show many a times a game that to this day is my favorite Commodore 64 game released by Cytronic, and that is Guns and Ghosts. Man, this game is cool. It is like a, a two guys, I guess it can be played two-player or one-player action game where you are jumping around these platforms and you're blowing up these zombies, which have to be hit twice. When they die, they kind of fall to the ground and come back alive again, have to fall to the ground again. If I remember right, there was um, either 80 or 100 total screens you had to clear um, super cool. You got power-ups as you went, so it was kind of like an RPG in that element where you would gain more rounds in your shotgun. I always chose the shotgun guy. Um, the other guy has this like laser zappy weapon, which I know Eric prefers, but to me this game is dead on with the shotgun, which you don't actually see the blast or the bullet go across the screen, but it basically goes completely across the screen vertically. Um, and I love how to reload, you have to stop and stand still. So the game, you know, is a lot of jumping into the action, shooting some guys, kind of hopping out of the way, hoping you can reload in time. Uh, do you wait for the whole gun to reload, or do you do a partial to try to take care of anything that might be uh, near you? Um, every 10 levels, there's a boss fight. Love the boss fights. Uh, just a brilliant game. Absolutely love it. And, um, I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's a must-play. My favorite Commodore 64 game. Uh, soon after that, I'm like, wow, these guys make some great games. What else does this company, Cytronic, put out? Well, they put out a game called Night and Grail, which is another game I fell in love with, and I played this one all the way through. And it's a really cool Metroidvania. Uh, once again, this is a flick screen game because the Commodore doesn't naturally do scrolling very well. Now, some games further down the list here, people have learned more and more tricks, and they're able to make it work. But uh, this is a really cool game. Um you're, you're, it's a Metroidvania. You're going back and forth, getting different abil- abilities that allow you to enter different parts of the level. I love the music. I love the way it looks. I love the vibe and the ambiance. Um, the controls felt just right, unlike a lot of the older games where they felt kind of jerky and chunky. This just felt good. Um, and it's a game I fell in love with shortly after. Um, Eric had then mentioned a game he had just played, um, I don't think he likes it as much as I do, but this might be my second favorite game on the Commodore, and that is Trance Sector. Now, this uh, game has that, you know, at this point, it's kind of become cliche modern Commodore 64 music where it's got this, like this uh, club beat, like you're shopping at a uh, at a, a clothing store in the mall or something. Um, but this is such a cool little top-down action arcade game where you're simply this little triangle, and all you have to do is collect all of the flashing orb things here in the middle of the screen, 
clear all those and you can clear the screen. Uh, at the same time, there are these these uh, items that kind of scroll left and right or, to- or, or top to bottom on the side. And if you cross their path, they'll shoot across at you. So you're always aware that these things, when you cross their path, will shoot across at you. So you kind of figure out where you are, where you want to be in conjunction with where they are and where they're heading. Um, and then on top of that, you've got this uh, floating ball that is changing shape or letters on it. And you can collect all the letters to spell the full word and you get an extra life. Um, absolutely love this game. I can play it a ton. Uh, works well with uh, joystick or D-pad, which not all games for me work well with the joystick. Um, now, as I was playing more and more games, um, I kind of learned from Eric a few more tricks that made me nuts. Uh, he just find it well when he trying to explain to me that the Commodore 64 was really the Wild West of computers back then. I think all the computers were back then, but specifically this one, because it was so well-known uh, to him and, and the United States here. Um, so I had to learn, for example, that Control Port 1 and Control Port 2, uh, depending on the game, your system's going to use a different port. So a lot of times I would open a game and I couldn't get it controlling. Well, I was always in Port 1, because why wouldn't you? That's what all my consoles did. Um, but, of course, on the Commodore, in general, you want to leave your controller in Port 2. More games use it. Uh, and sometimes you just have to pull it out and put it in the other port to make it work. Um, that came apparent when I started playing some of these older games, like the one um, that Eric recommended that he mentioned on the show a couple of times. And Space Taxi was probably one, or to this day, is probably one of the few original classic Commodore games that to this day I have to like play regularly. And if I turn on the system, I usually give it a go. Um, it is a very cool uh, gravity-based game, kind of like you know, a um, lunar lander kind of a thing, but much more to do. You have your little space taxi. There's this really cool voice that says, "Hey, taxi!" Uh, in different pitches, and uh, you have to go to that particular landing pad and pick that person up, and then deliver them to the pad they want to be delivered to. And you have to repeat that enough times until the gate above opens, and you can fly up past there to go to another stage where it'll look different and it'll happen again. Um, you can also run out of fuel, in which case you want to make sure that uh, while you are delivering people to their pads, uh, if you run low, you can go run and grab the fuel can and fill back up. And what's cool about this is there's uh, multiple difficulty levels, you know, easy, medium, hard, and I want to say there's another one. Um, but each one, if you start on easy, uh, you can complete all uh, seven or so levels. Um beat the game on easy, and then you go to medium and hard, but they're completely different levels. So it's really like having three different versions of the game in one. Um, I've beat easy, I've not beat medium, but it is a blast to try every time. Really fun game, highly recommended. My Probably my favorite classic game. Uh, however, there are other, other classic games that I've grown to love. Uh, after seeing this one in Retro Gamer Magazine, I had to give Buggy Boy a try. And this is just a super simple, fun arcade um, I mean, you can call it a racer, but you're not really... I guess you're racing. You're racing, and you're trying to collect points, um, avoid rocks and stuff in the middle of the road, collecting uh, flags that give you points based on their color. Um, there's not a whole lot to say about it. It's super simple, uh, stupid fun, and Buggy Boy is a great game I have absolutely grown to love. Um, 
And then, as we've talked about on these shows, we've done reviews um, for every single game in some of these competitions, these programming competitions they've had. So a lot of these simple games that I have grown to love have come from these competitions, but there's three I want to talk about right up front that are among my favorites. Um, one here is Paper Plane, uh, which is a really simple game where you're a paper plane, and your only buttons are left and right on the joystick, and they kind of change your angle of the plane, um, and all you can do is go left and right, try to avoid things while going down through this you know, endless chute here and trying to see how many, um, how, how much distance you can go down before you hit something. That's the whole game. This thing is a blast to have out when you have people over and everyone can just give it a shot when they feel like it, trying to get high scores. Uh, we did a game night where we had this we, we, uh, for my birthday party a few years ago, but then also we set it up, I think, um, when we did a local video game store uh, retro game corner. They're in one of their uh, land party things or whatever you wanted to call it. Um, and then a game called C64 Anabalt, which is a simple one-button game where you're this dude running. The music is super cool, and you simply hit jump and try not to fall down between the buildings. I mean, it's simple. It's pretty. Uh, another great game for those kind of party scenarios. Um, P.O. Snake is a game where when you press the button down, your snake is going to start heading to the left. If you don't press the button down, it goes to the right. And that's the whole game. You're trying to move your snake around this thing without running into yourself or any of the walls. And you are trying to uh, complete level by level, and they get harder and harder. Uh, simple, stupid fun, once again. And then the last one I want to bring up, uh, Dice Skater. Man, this game is unique and interesting and cool, and that's where the Commodore scene right now, I think, excels, is people making these really creative, fun, simple games, um, which later often become full-fledged releases, uh, which I think P.O. Snake did. I think Cytronic did pick that one up. Um, but Dice Skater is really a really cool game here where you're just controlling this uh, dice and uh, trying to get all of these dots filled in. Um, you kind of have to feel it to understand how cool the game really is. If you just watch it, it seems kind of lame, but it um, it has a cool feel to it. Uh, more modern games that have just basically continued my love for the Commodore 64, and there's tons more than this, uh, but how can you go anywhere in the last year in the Commodore 64 world without talking about Fixit Felix Jr.? This game is the best version of a Fix-It Felix Jr. type clone game, if you want to call it that, based off of the movie game, of course. Um, there is one made for the Genesis. There's a couple arcade ones made. This is the best game. This is the best Fix-It Felix. Um, it is super solid. Gameplay is super addictive. Tight controls. Um, the The difficulty curve is perfect. Sounds great. Feels great. Quick loading times. I don't know what else to say, except uh, you have to, have to, have to get this game for your Commodore. Of course, it is free because it is a licensed game, and they cannot make money off of it, so go grab that. Now, Galencia is a for-profit game. Um, it came with the C64, not C64, but the 64 that was released um, in the last few years here, both the mini and the full version. Um, and for good reason. It is an amazing Galaga-type game. Uh, much better in Galaga, in my opinion. We did an episode a few months back on Galaga clones, and this one came near the top. Um, actually, I think it won once you averaged everything together. 
And uh, if you can see it here, it's just a super cool, fun twist on Galaga that makes it more interesting, more to do, uh, feels better, more fair than Galaga. Um, I shouldn't say too much, but Doug will yell at me. Uh, shout out to 10-Minute Omega Retrocast for hating on my Galaga hate. Um, moving forward here, hey, uh, text adventures are not dead. I did an interview with Stephen Vogt. I'm saying that right, uh, about a year ago on the show when he had just come out with Hibernated 1. Now, this game has been, since been released on like 20 different platforms. He's a porting fool, uh, but really good text adventure about being in space. What I love about it is he took the LucasArts uh, mentality where you can't die. You can't get put yourself in a pickle where you can't proceed no matter what you're heading in the right direction. So if something happens, for the most part, you're heading in the right direction. Um, had a great time sitting there drawing my own maps, writing down items, taking care of uh, a business until I was able to get off the spaceship. So, super cool game. Another highly recommended item here. The last two I want to talk about before I go are uh, Zeta Wing, a game we talk about again a lot on the show here. Sarah Jane Avery made this game. Um, and has recently released another game, another shooter called Soul Force. However, this is the game that really stuck with me. Um, she only asked a few bucks for it, so go ahead and download it uh, from Sarah Jane Avery. I think Protovision is the one that is now selling Soul Force, but this one I believe was off of itch.io. And it is just a super solid, impressive NES quality, like good NES quality, um, vertical scrolling shooter that has very fair patterns. Um, the more you play it, the further you'll get really well-executed shooter. And last but not least, I want to talk about my love for anything Cthulhu and Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, you don't have to know what that is, but it's a game here called Shadow Over Hawksmill, and it's a, a neat uh, slight action, slight puzzle, slight um, Metroidvania to a point. But basically, you're going back and forth and trying to uh, find items in all these different screens, um, and you're trying to figure out what's going on on this crazy in this crazy town. These dark cultists um, are up to no good, and you're trying to figure out how to stop the uh, terrible things that are being released from this uh, cult's rituals. Um, very atmospheric. Uh, very unique, and uh, it was based off of another game that was released prior on the Commodore 64, which I have not played yet, called The Legend of Atlantis. So, there are um, some games that basically have not only made me fall in love with the Commodore 64, but more importantly, the current scene that's going on, and uh, has made me stick along with it. And there are a ton of other ones in here I would love to give mention to. Age of Heroes, Isle of the Cursed Prophet, all kinds of games by ProDivision, double-sided games, Cytronic, and other companies as they release more and more. So I just want to say thank you to all of the programmers out there doing these things for uh, little to no money, um, and to those who enjoy the games, uh, please pay them. Uh, don't you know, it's easy to copy these games, but go ahead and make sure they get paid. Um, if you are able to, I suggest buying some of the physical stuff. It's really cool to have these on the shelf. Some of them come with fun little trinkets and posters and things like that. So um, if you haven't yet jumped onto the Commodore 64, which I know a lot of our listeners, um, specifically the American ones, have no idea what I'm talking about, um, if you're my age or younger, 
but um, it is a fun platform, even if you emulate it or or however you want to do it. Um, I highly suggest you dig into this. It is by far the most happening scene for any retro console or system that I know of. And we're back! Guess who's with us I was now. trying to get the energy going. Yeah. And we're back! Guess who is with us now? Uh, Doug from 10-Minute Meeker Retrocast? No. Uh, is it Boat? No. Aaron? No. It's the Tim! Bra- oh, the Tim! It's the Tim! The yeah. Tim! Scrape in the bottom of the barrel. Yes, it's me, the lowest <laughs> of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. Self-proclaimed. Yeah. Ouch, though, Tim. <laughs> wow. Hardest working, though. That's right. <laughs> um, hey, everyone! How are we doing? It's not 6.30 in the morning. There's the energy I was looking for. <laughs> so what time is it for you, Tim? It's like, uh, what is it? It's uh, literally just gone 10 past 8 in the evening. Yeah, he's exactly eight hours ahead of us here. Our our show always screeches to a halt when we talk boring things like time and weather <laughs> right. with Tim right <laughs> yeah. when he hops on. <laughs> Hold on, I got a record scratch here. Um... So, let's just jump right into it. we got a lot to do here. Yeah, got a do. game show. Mm-hmm. Got, a, a, of course, catching up, a little extra news, but no beers yet. Yeah, right. And that the most important thing is grabbing some ice-cold beers in so, the summertime. And Tim's going to be able to, to join us because it's a respectable hour to drink a beer over there. It is a very respectable, more respectable time than ours right now. So, Tim, if you're going to grab yours, we're going to grab ours. We're day drinking. <laughs> yeah. It just is what it is. Now, Eric. Yeah. I've been I've been leaning your direction for, on beers for quite a while here. Yes, you have. I said it's time I could bring a hazy back. Okay, I'm I had ready. to bring a hazy back. Do you want the hazy first or second? Oh, let's do it first. All right, we're gonna get the hazy out of the wazy <laughs> with Patrick. Can we switch the what? screen share around for a minute? Oh, because I I can't see you guys are just a little circle in the top right of my screen. <laughs> That's, we feel more comfortable that way. All right, yeah. we'll get rid of screen share here. I can't see you, Stop man. sharing. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, right. that's better. There you go, Eric. Okay. I know nothing about this one except it had a, a traditionally funny, hazy name, so I had to go for it. I do like the name. What's it called? It is called, well, first it's from Belching Beaver Brewery, which we've had before. We, we have. Had, yep. We've had the peanut butter uh, stout from them. This one is Hazer's Gonna Haze. <laughs> Hazer's Gonna Haze. A hazy IPA. It's a tall boy, which I appreciate. And it is, uh, let's see, 6.6%. Um, yeah, we should note that Cody is providing all beers for this show. Because Eric took the helm on that last time. There we go. We'll, <laughs> let, we'll let Tim see the can here. Yikes. He's just going to haze. Cool. Couple of, so uh, I have got a beaver town. Wow, we both did beavers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Neck oil. It's a session IPA at 4.3%. <laughs> Sorry to stand the thunder there, but Eric decided to way over pour the beer, almost almost <laughs> dumping the whole thing on the floor, and then decided to... And then you guys said, <laughs> inhale, beaver. I'm trying to avoid that. And then you inhaled the entire foam and then choked on it, and still proceeded to spear beer, spill beer all over the floor. So that's... Just a little bit. Not much. It's all part of pixel guide in. All right. Uh, so th- this is one that I got from. Um, well, actually, Danica bought me this the other day. <laughs> wow! Okay. For, for right. Father's Day. <laughs> so I'm sorry we missed it because Eric was over here being inappropriate. I was what? about to choke, choke and die. I'm sorry. Sorry. Did you want me to go through this again? It's Beaver Town Neck Oil. Neck, neck oil. oil. And what kind of beer is that? 
That's an IPA. session IPA. It's okay. a session IPA. So but low percentage, only 4.3. I like the can. Yeah. Very colorful. Yeah, it's cool. Can. Is there like a law over there, kind of like everything else, that limits the alcohol in beer? No, I just tend, I'm tending to go for light ones. Okay. All right. Well, boys, here's here is open. I say... Oh, wait. Cheers! Well, Eric and I will cheers. Boom. Tim is going to catch up. We'll put... We'll, uh, he's got to pour that bad boy. Here you go, Tim. Let's do it again. Cheers! Cheers. Cheers. Cody has taken a drink here. It, I have. It is a very uh, colorful beer. Very orange. Or- orange is gold. And very hazy. Yep. Very hazy. This one's got a kind of a bitter bite to it. Little bitter bite. Little bitter beer face. Yeah. It's got a little bit of that, yeah, the little bitter beer mm. face, like a little bite at the end. But huh. I will say, I mean, it is not like, as people know from the show, I'm not a big fan of IPAs, but as far as IPAs go, this one is not bad. Have you had a hazy I give you that you haven't liked yet? I can't Hazies remember. are good. Hazies are good. Okay. They're not, I don't consider, again, they're different than IPAs, even though they are technically an IPA. Yeah. What's yours yeah. taste like there, yeah. Tim? It's all right. It's not too bad. It's. It, I mean, it, I guess it's. It says what it does on the tin. It's a session IPA, so it's a, a quaffable IPA. It's perfectly drinkable. It's got a little bit of yeasty nose, a uh, bit hoppy, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, a a very drinkable IPA. I think that's what I like about hazies. I mean, versus other IPAs, is they're not quite overhopped like most IPAs these days. I think they're tamed down with the. <clears throat> Yeah. viscosity of the haze <laughs> the haze brings it down exactly but uh, i'm digging it yeah. it's refreshing i'm actually not loving this one to be honest that one out of them well we've got to do it out of um beaver dams out, yeah <laughs> since we're both beavers <laughs> yeah so out of uh do we give this a hot dam or do we give this a uh, oh, damn <laughs> So out of that rating scale, I mean, where on this on the Dan scale are you are you going with this one? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a disappointed. Huh, damn, that's what like, I'm gonna give it. You're not gonna give it a damn. No, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a damn. <laughs> that's how I'm rating it. Okay. Okay. Damn. What about you, what, Tim? Where's your Where's your beer fall? Your damn scale. I'm gonna go with a hmm damn. Oh, <laughs> that's a, that sounds like a bad thing. Was that, <laughs> that how you meant it to come across? <laughs> it's kind of like it's it's a regular damn. Yeah, it's kind of okay. It's it's yeah, it's all right. Beavers it's, could it's have gotten cool. more creative. Like if I had to rate this in uh, fonts, this would be a, just a Times New Roman. <laughs> we, we should save that scale for later. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> I want Wingding! Wingding. Comic Sans! It's not Comic Sans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about actual games, because that's kind of the whole point we're here. That's right? true. Um, so let me go ahead and pop this back up. So we got a few news items, like we said, uh, that we had to touch on, because they've happened since we recorded last. And uh, I don't want to miss out on them. Let's do it. Um, first of all, I want to mention that uh, kind of like at last episode, I was able to get Cody's Corner last uh, month up in video format on the YouTubes. Yes, and was... I got some good uh, feedback. It seemed to be received well. Yeah. So along with this episode releasing, I should have the video form of that on YouTube shortly after. Excellent. So look for that. Um, 
I'll throw this one on there. Indie Retro News threw up this, and it's a game that was uh, that is about to be released on the Atari XE. It looks like it's almost done. And to see kind of a new creation released for the Atari exclusively, I was super excited because it looks really high quality. It's called Flob. Mm-hmm. Almost has a uh, uh, Mayhem and Monster Land vibe. Um, these are different um, levels you can select here. Here's some of the screenshots from the game. And then there's a video. Now, it is a, uh, a sort of a puzzle platformer game, if you will, which is normally not our jam. But it just looks so well done. Um, you can see a little uh, intro screen here. There you go. So you can see here he's flipping the world back and forth. Essentially him, uh, the little slime guy, flopping per- different parts of the world, uh, inverting it. He fell on a spike there. It looks really smooth. I mean, the the graphics and the animation on the character look really smooth, and the color palette looks really unique. And it looks like it's just moving quick. There's no load times. I mean, obviously, the initial load time, but... Right. Um, and it just looks good. It almost has a Lucas uh, Films games vibe to it, in my opinion. True. I think it looks cool. I'm excited about that. And it will be free, Ooh. as it's part of the Game Jam, or you can pay $50 to uh, pre-order a uh, cartridge. Oh, Cartridge would be pretty nifty. Cartridge would be cool. So what was that on the 800XL again, was it? Yep. Or the Atari 8-bit? The 8-bits, yep. Absolutely. Kind of has that sort of like um, Meat Boy feel about it, doesn't it? If you know what I mean. Yeah, but it looks... It looks... That look. Yeah, the kind of gameplay almost to a point, I guess. Um, But yeah, I I think it looks really well polished. Tim's got one here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've got um, Alex the Kid in Miracle World DX. Uh, this has now come out on the uh, PC, Xbox uh, One, and the Switch, and the PS4. And this one, I know, is one that uh, you obviously have a, a really big vested interest in, Cody. Yeah, I love this game. Um, I love the concept of the... Obviously, I love the original. You can hear the music in the background a little bit there, but... Um... Yeah, it, it came out, and that came out pretty quick, so soon, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to grab it. As soon as you guys mentioned this in the notes, and then I saw a little article, I went and bought it. Yeah, okay. So I went and grabbed it last night, and I played through the first level. It is pretty nifty. I mean, the graphics are really good. Does it uh, feel like the original? It does. It feels like the original. Not to mention, you hit the R button, the R one, mm-hmm. and it just switches to the retro graphics. Yeah. So then you play light and you can just hit it again and go right back into the modern graphics. It has it feels exactly like um the the old school games but the graphics are up to date and there are some uh I don't know what I don't know how to say it like uh it, I guess enhancement that makes gameplay a little nicer like switching weapons and stuff like that oh, really? is okay. a lot more streamlined. Um uh, so far, now listen. I only went through the first level, but I, I enjoyed what I played so far, and it is genuinely difficult, like the first Alex kid. I mean, it, I, I I was getting killed left and right, but <laughs> it's one of those things where you memorize the level and then you can get past it. Yep. So, it's a, I would say it's a it's a great game. So it looks like it's got the um, <laughs> the end of level <clears throat> um, rock paper scissor games in it and all that sort of stuff as well. Jenkins matches. It says it does. Yeah. I haven't reached one of those yet. So, but it it says it has those, and that was that was the trick with that, wasn't it? It was more about it was just memorization on that because I think it was the same every time, wasn't it, Cody? It it was if you knew that, but as a kid, 
I didn't know that. <laughs> so I never figured that out. Now he's beat my head against the wall. Right. Um, but yeah, there's some, uh, some new features in this one, huh, Tim? Yep. So we've got some new modes. Uh, so those, so we've got the classic mode and then we've got a boss rush mode, uh, which will be available for players alongside the standard game. So we've got some new levels. Uh, so you can experience the new levels which expand on the lore of the original and feature new enemy and types of vehicles. Uh, there's a turn alternative boss fights. So you've got new and improved boss fight mechanisms. Uh, that will be cool. Intuitive combat. And, and of course, the classic mode. And so far, what I've learned is that some of these are locked. Like you have to be oh, okay. it to unlock or get to a certain level. I haven't, I don't know where you unlock it, but like the boss mode, there's like a boss mode. It's locked. At some point, I assume that that's going to unlock, and you'll be able to do these additional modes. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up for mainly for that stuff. I mean, it looks super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the price when you when you picked seventeen ninety nine? Not bad. It's probably on. Sale. It's probably nineteen ninety nine. But when correct new games come out, ten percent off kind yep. of a thing. Yep, it's exactly what it was. Yeah, I'm going to pick this one up as well. Nice. And the last Next thing step. I. I just had to mention mm-hmm. before we uh, moved on with our standard episode here. Uh, Nintendo announced at E3 they're coming out with another Game & Watch! I, I will get it. I, I've, I've enjoyed the Mario one quite a bit. So this one is The Legend of Zelda Game & Watch, and it looks just fantastic. I love the colors. Sexy little piece of kit. Yeah. It's going to be a good one, this is. I love the clock on it because it's actually got games on the clock. So even on the clock screen, there's some uh, little mini games to play on the clock screens. I didn't know that. That's yep, pretty here nifty. It is right here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the clock has two modes: uh, the original top-down Ze- uh, Legend of Zelda mode, and then Zelda Two, which is a side-scrolling one, the yeah. weird, like side-scrolling RPG. And um, <clears throat> so you can put the clock in either mode, and yeah, yeah, I guess you can play in the clock. <laughs> um, just to make pe- sure people know that we are talking about a physical handheld Game & Watch, kind of like the, uh, well, exactly like the Game & Watch that came out, what, six months ago with mm-hmm. the Mario? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's got this gorgeous, um, if you want to call it rose gold metal front, and then the rest is green, and it includes The Legend of Zelda from the NES, Zelda 2 from the NES, and The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which was a Game Boy game. Yep. And, and then that's not coming out until November the twelfth. Must just say that, so gotcha. it's still a little ways off. And then, just like they did on the previous one, uh, includes a classic Game and Watch game, Vermin. However, that has uh, Link as the character bashing the uh, moles in, back into their holes. <laughs> <laughs> so this looks amazing, and it comes with a really cool looking box that helps it display it. Yeah, which the previous one didn't. Now, if it came with a kickstand, I'd be really impressed. Yeah. So have those actually gone on pre-order yet? Probably not. Or or it'll do like they did last time where it went on pre-order in, in England, but we didn't get to pre-order it until like the week before it was released, and then right. it was a surprise. And Funny thing is I rushed out and I bought two of them, and, um, you know, in a rush, I, I went and did that, and then now if you walk into any Target, there's about 20 of them stacked up in the display case. Yeah. So they're not they're not rare at all right now, which I hope that, the history of Nintendo doesn't prove true where they're going to create some kind of artificial scarcity for this. Cause they're like, Oh man, you we don't know. We have all these more. Well, it would make sense because they have all these Mario ones out in the world that aren't selling. that's not a good image for them. Like 
Yeah. They, they like it when stuff like switches can't be bought. Like they're like, hey, look, we're the hot ticket. So I, I really do think that Nintendo does that sometimes oh, on purpose. No, they absolutely do it on purpose, but so they chose now, not to do it with these. Well, they, and I think they may scale back on on the inventory on these, so they may be they harder might do to get. It with this one. That's what I mean. Yeah. See, so. there, and it's working because we're going to go yeah. pre-order and mm-hmm. flip out and try to find one. I definitely want it. Yep. Same here. It says pre-order on the UK site. Of course it does. You've reached your maximum quantity, so I put on one. <laughs> oh, he's ordering it right now, live! Yeah, live. <laughs> this is radio. riveting radio. Tim is going to order, pre-order a Game & Watch. What button are you pressing really? now? I am pressing Add to Cart. <laughs> it is, it's in my basket. Check I am out. changing my address and updating <laughs> my card information. Maybe I'll do that later. Maybe you will, because it's time for a game show! Da-da! Wait, can you do that again? Because I like yep. the way you did it. Da-da! Alright. Oops. Wait, my, my beautiful... Uh... What? That one's not working. Hit it gently, so it's quiet. Just tap it gently. So you're beating it, it and it sounds going to be like... Well, I'll have to add that in post, so okay, good. no one knows that the game show didn't start correctly. Okay. Gentlemen! Yes, we're ready. My heart is pounding for you. I need a pen. <laughs> Preparation is the name of the... Question number one. Do you have a pen <laughs> at the ready? Yes! yes. Eric won. <laughs> um, all right, gentlemen. Yeah. 15 questions. I am your game 15. show host. 15 questions. I'm gonna, we're going to be here for five hours. This will be a four and a half hour episode. Okay. No, we're going to go quick here. We're going to go quick here. Sounds good. We're going to start with a seven question segment I call the speed round. Okay. Very simple. I'm going to... I don't even need to describe it. All you do is give me your answer on the piece of paper and show me. Ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Question number one. Mario or Sonic? (laughs) And there is a correct answer here. uh, There just is. I'm ready. Let's see what I got here. All right. Let's see what you got. Mario. Sonic, because it's Sonic's 30th birthday today. Oh, we love to see a little bit of news there. A little bit of news there. However, unfortunately, (laughs) Tim... Oh, Eric, you get the point on that one. <laughs> Thank I you. I can see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily true. Not necessarily I, I true. I can show you my cheat sheet later. <laughs> Question number two. C64 or ZX Spectrum? We're going to get some hate mail on this one. Everyone knows my answer. Yeah. All right. Indeed. Show me. Tim? 64. Tim is correct answer. Was Eric with the Commodore 64? Correct answer. Question number three. Now this is this one's uh, this isn't even gaming related at this point, but you'll appreciate it. I hope. Uh, when it comes to iOmega devices, mm-hmm. yeah, zip disk or jazz drive. Easy. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Zip disk. Zip. Oh, you guys both got it correct. Good answer. Jazz can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz sucks. <laughs> eight, tra- eight track, <laughs> eight track, or Betamax. Ooh, ooh, easy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go with the loser here. But we're gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, gonna go with. with the, I know what the right answer is gonna be, but I, I, I see. Tim Tim's has, got beta. Eric's got eight track. Eric, I am sorry. Uh, Tim gets the point on that one. I'm a '70s baby, man. Can you guys keep track of your own scores? Because there's too many, too many things going on yeah, here. Three right, one, one, oh, one, I'll one. keep track of it. I'm winning. <laughs> No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. You're, I think Tim actually is winning. Eric's logic is Tim plus one. That is my score. <laughs> uh, number five. 
Tetris or Tetris Attack? Hmm. I'm always going to go old school. Me We're too. Gonna, I'm going to go with Eric on this one. Eric says Tetris and Tim says Tetris. Yep. Oh, both, both wrong answers. What? I'm sorry. Tetris is played out and Tetris Attack is so good and it got me through high school. It is good, but it, that was my first Game Boy because it was the pack-in for my Game Boy. Absolutely. I, I got to go Game with that. Game Boy and Tetris, that's the one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Question number six. Tails or Knuckles? Mm. Speaking of Sonic's 30th anniversary, Tails or Knuckles? I'm ready. Tim, what did you get? I Tails. Did Tails. You cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Both correct answers. Okay. I'm impressed. Well done, gentlemen. <laughs> Final one for the speed round. And this one's a toughie Coco 2 or TI 99 4A? Mm. Oh, Coco 2. Hmm. It'd be easy if it was three. <laughs> Coco 2 or TI-99 4A. I'm ready. All right, Eric, what do you got? TI. Eric went TI, and so did Tim, and he actually spelled the whole thing T- out. He, he should get the point. He spelled it all out. <laughs> I, was, I was lazy. Well, I could have gone for the TI-99, but I went for the TI-99 4A. 4A. Uh, you guys <laughs> I just, I just said point. TI, which could be a calculator. Point. You guys both All right, so could, how many, what do you got, Eric? Oh, Tim's ahead. <laughs> what, but what are you at? I oh, got I don't two know. wrong. I got five. Yeah. Uh, you got to make me do this. Okay. Eric, you got I one, two, three wrong. in a row. You got that wrong. Tetris wrong. I got the yeah, right. you got five also. Okay, so it's tie. It's tie game. You got a speed round tiebreaker. Woo! Woo! All right, gentlemen. This is going to get a well, maybe tougher. We'll see. Okay. Multiple choice, though, so you won't look too stupid. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you look stupider, actually. Yeah, so. Maybe. All I right. might look dumb for ma- making the questions. All right. Okay. The next four questions are about famous video game, we'll say creators. They're not all uh, designers. Uh-oh. I'm weak on this, so <laughs> it's yours to win, Tim, because I'm weak Question on this. Question number one. Shigeru Miyamoto yes. is famous for making games such as Mario and Zelda. However, mm-hmm. he also created this series. Is it Metroid, Fire Emblem, F-Zero? I'm making my own music, but there's technically yeah. supposed to be music playing right now. Right. I'm ready if you are. All right, Tim, let's see what you got. I'm going to start with you. F-Zero. F-Zero is correct. And Eric, F-Zero. F-Zero. That's what I said. are still, still neck and neck. All right. Yep. Next one. A little lesser known, but still quite well known. Hideo Kojima. Which I'm oh. sure I said slightly wrong is famous for making which one of these series? I hope it's the only one I know. Resident Evil, Metal Gear, Final Fantasy. I'm ready. I'm ready. Alright, let's see it, Eric. What do you got? Metal Gear. Oh, joy! Eric got it correct. Tim, you are incorrect with Final Fantasy. I apologize. And that literally was the only one I knew. Was that was the really? only game I knew from him, but I knew that one. Oh, knew that he created it? I knew that he created that one. All so. right. Okay. Let's go Let's go in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> Ooh. David Crane. I want that in sound yeah. effect. <laughs> yeah, there you go. From Wayne's World. Okay. David Crane. Party time. Of Activision fame. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is known for making some of the most famous Atari games. Uh-huh. Which one of these games did he create? 
Yar's Revenge, Ghostbusters, Hero, or should I say H.E.R.O. Again, I make my own music. Ready. All right, let's see him. Tim Ghostbusters. says Ghostbusters. Oh, Eric and Tim, I am impressed. You are representing Pixel Gaiden very well today. <laughs> Tim Maybe. and I, Tim and I are working well together. We're giving each other like hand signs. Cheers. <laughs> More importantly, who's ahead right now? I think Eric is now because of the um, Metal Gear question. Because of the Metal Gear one, yeah. Hideo Kojima. All right, last Seven. last one from this round. Ralph Bear. Often considered the father of video games. We're going even further back now. I, I, I have read deep, about him. Deep, 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 deep. He's famous for making a lot of things, including this electronic device from the late 70s. Was it the Milton Bradley Simon, the Palatoy Merlin, or the Mattel football? Handheld football. Hmm. Mm. Tim went down quick, so I, I think know, he's, I'm having a guess. He's, he had a quick I'm guess. Throwing a hail mary. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about this one. All right, without telling Tim what your answer was, Eric, what'd you get? Let me take a look here. Oh, I'm sorry, Eric. It is not football. Tim, okay. what did you write down? I went with the Merlin. Oh, also incorrect. I'm wow. sorry, Simon. <laughs> yeah, Milton Bradley Simon. Simon. I didn't know he made Simon. Interesting. Burp. Burp. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Anybody enjoying this? Okay. No. Riveting audio. Yeah. That was a real Simon. That's the fun fact. All right. Okay. So Eric is still up by one. I'm still up by one. All right. Now here's the. Now we're throwing caution to the wind. Okay. We got four more questions here to make this 15, but I don't have any more questions. So we're going to the Geek Gamer 100 trivia questions pack I got from Christmas like five years ago. Which we already know has errors in it. Like, go ahead. Disclaimer, <laughs> these, these answers may not actually be the answers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you remember correctly, I dug through this and found all of the good ones, which were these seven. <laughs> right. I'm throwing those in the th- bin because we've already done those. Now yeah. we're going random from the re- the remaining 93. Okay. These could be terrible. Oh, these could be. These Many are of them terrible. are terrible. Yeah, these Some are of them are way too easy. Some are way too hard. Some just are wrong. So instead of the random adjective generator, we are going with the random question generator. Random question <laughs> generator. And by the way, apparently geek questions only means uh, video games. All right. Gentlemen. <laughs> Here's the question. Oh, no. Ooh, you're going to have to dig deep. Warcraft is mm-hmm. A, an MMO, B, game. an RTS, <laughs> C, a turn-based strategy game, or D, a fantasy game. Jeez. World of, you, did you say World of Warcraft? I said, I'll read it one more time. Okay, please. Warcraft. You said Warcraft. Warcraft is. Warcraft is, okay. Either an MMO, an RTS, a turn based strategy, or a fantasy game. But look at most of these answers. There's, there's at least two correct answers in there. Yeah, there are two correct answers. Are we allowed to do that? Or do we have to pick one? No, you have to answer. You get one answer, just like they asked for. Ah, oh, jeez. Okay, <sighs> so it's fifty-fifty here. I've gone with fantasy. I went with RTS. The correct answer is RTS. Wow, Eric pulls ahead by two. Boom. But you're right. It's a fantasy <laughs> game. That's crazy. Hey, don't question. Don't question the, the geek trivia. <laughs> <laughs> don't question geek trivia. It is published. All right. 
Next question. So gentlemen. technically, I win, don't I? I thought that was the tiebreaker. No, no, no. We got two more questions. No, okay, still. all right, all right. So Tim has to get both in a row while you get them wrong. Question: <clears throat> How many? Ooh, this is actually kind of fun. How many rows of aliens are there usually at the start of a Space Invaders game? Rows up and down, or rows across? Is rows. It rows across as columns. Don't don't be giving Tim hints. You need to protect that. Well, Keep I don't that know close what to it the means. best. What are, How many what does rows, rows mean? of alien, aliens are there usually at the start rows of a space across, game? Doesn't it? Columns goes down. Yeah. So okay. Uh, apparently, gonna... apparently, you're doing teamwork on this. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just going to go with a, a, a guess. I'm gonna, okay. I'm, I'm I've got one too. All right. Let's see what you got here. Four. Four and Tim says five. Tim, you are correct. So away. Only one away. Only one away. And I legitimately do not have a tiebreaker. So if you get this one, Eric gets it wrong. I don't know what we're going to do. So I'm still up by one, technically. You're right? up by one okay. with the last question. All right. All right. Here we go. Because in my logic, out of 15, someone was going to be the odd man out. But that didn't work out at all, did it? Yeah. Shuffle right. those cards, Cody, because that's really going to make a difference. Eric, can you split, <laughs> can you split the deck? Yep. Boom. <laughs> ah, perfect. The top card is... In the highly successful Infamous franchise, you play the role of Cole. <laughs> but what's his surname? <laughs> it's multiple choice, so you get a chance. <laughs> I, I've never played Infamous. Uh, no, what, I wouldn't even know his name was Cole. Okay. <clears throat> what is uh, Cole's what is surname? <laughs> is it Bennett, Harper, McGrath, or Smith? What's the first one? Bennett, Harper, McGrath, Smith. Okay. <laughs> the only coal I know is coal trickle. Coal trickle. <laughs> there you go. Or uh, there's a famous uh, NASCAR driver, Dick Trickle. Dick Trickle. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's his name. He's, yeah, he's, probably, he's probably a listener. I believe it. Yeah. All right. All right, gentlemen. Let's go with uh, Eric. Let's see if he has a chance. Eric went with Bennett. That is incorrect, which means, Tim, you could tie it up here if you wrote... Oh, Smith. Where was my boo? <laughs> Uh, where's my boo? I had a boo over here somewhere. Boo! I am sorry, Tim. The correct answer was McGrath, which means, Eric, you are the winner! Yeah! I now, won one, finally. Now, if Aaron uh, calls in and says he's got 15 out of 15, I know he's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our game show. Excellent. That was a good one. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, um, who published this. <laughs> Thank you to giftrepublic.com <laughs> for your amazing, uh, like, dollar at the uh, front clearance section of Walmart thing. thing. Uh, where do we go from here, gentlemen? We are going to catch up! Let's go ahead and do that. Catching up with Eric and Cody! I've acquired something. Have you acquired something? Something new, and I want to talk about it. Let me let me go ahead and take this off of uh, screen share so Tim can join us. Wait, Tim? You can see Are us, you, right? You're seeing us all right? Yep. I can uh, see okay. You. We're good to go. So I want to show you this, which I got in the mail. I got this off of Etsy from a guy on there named Sakura Modder, Mod, Sakura Mods. Is that the guy that made uh, Mario? Yes, exactly. Okay. Metal Gear. He made Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Um, it is called the pin switch and it is a tiny little pinball. I wanted you to show that to Tim. Be careful that that top comes off. So, so it's super, 
Um, Can you see that? Well built in is what you're saying. Yeah. Very cool. So it's got it. So what for people that are listening, because we are an audio podcast, it is a little tiny pinball machine, but it is uh, the, the Nintendo Switch. You take the Joy-Cons off, it snaps into it, plugs in. There are um, buttons on the side for the flippers. There are there is a button in the front that lights up that is for the the pull. What do you call that? The the puller thing. <laughs> the plunger. <laughs> the plunger. That's right. There you go. Um, it is cool. I mean, I, I it it is really well built. It is kind of fun. It's a neat little novelty thing that you can sit and mess around with, and it is neat. The downsides is. This thing, is that a live score panel on the on the actual um, display port? The on the not display a, not, not on, on the back no. is just a decal. It is not oh, real. Okay. It is not real. That would be really cool. And I I I, I was wondering because I really I, I saw pictures of this, but I didn't know what it was going to be for sure. But all the buttons work. The plunger, I mean the the flippers work on the side. Um, the, the plunger works. You can also use the touch screen in Pinball FX3. I found you can like pull back so that because the button just does a hundred percent. Yeah, I was, I was trying to figure that out. So you can just use the touch screen to kind of pull back a little and then let go, and that's in the settings to give you that analog feel on the plunger. Yep. And so this is really cool. I'm not going to say it's not. It was about fifty bucks on Etsy. Really neat thing. I've always wanted one. I thought they were really neat. The downsides to this are. If you're playing for a high score, you don't want to use this device. And I'll tell you the one big reason why. There are no buttons to nudge to the nudge. table. I just tried. I'm like, can I? Wow. Now, I did go into the settings, and you can nudge this if you use the touchscreen. So if you use the touchscreen and you move left or right, you swipe on the table left or right, you can nudge the screen. But... That's not really intuitive while you're playing. No, you can't no, do it quickly. It's, it's not part of your game flow, is it? Nudging on the screen. No. So it, while this thing is fun and a neat little novelty and a cool thing to have on your shelf, and it is really cool, so I'm not going to say it's not, it, it, you don't want to use this for, for high scores. It, it is, also, the tactile, what I really love about like putting my monitor in Tate mode and then mm-hmm. using the controller, the pro controller, is that the vibration, the feedback... Yeah. Like, I love the vibration and feedback in pinball games. And I've gotten to the point where I kind of need that. This doesn't provide vibration feedback at all. So you're lacking that. And then also, it's still, it's just not as easy to do the plunger for your skill shots. Um, So it's fun. It's neat. It's a cool little device. But it's, actually, it's actually a lot better than I thought it would be. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm playing on it right now if you guys can't hear. But yeah. It feels like a pinball machine. Yeah, it's fun. It is a fun little device. It's really cool. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a few little limitations on it, but, you know, 50 bucks. 50 bucks, yeah. I do like what he did with the build of it. The the, Basically, you snap your... You plug the... There's a little cable that plugs into the bottom of your switch. You plug that in, and then the switch snaps, and then there's this magnetic overlay, which lays on the top. And mm-hmm. and it makes it very seamless. I mean, it yeah. looks really cool. Um, really good. So and the light up button is really neat. I mean, it, it it's a cool um, package, like attractive. It's an attractive thing. Again, you're not going to use this to get your high scores. Yeah, it's a bummer that um, you he couldn't at least put. I would like, love like a more... second button, like one on each side and one on the front, so you can nudge forward and side to side. Correct. If there was like, I never a... use a nudge down. Right. Because like, in real life, you can't nudge you down, can't really. You can't pull the you, pinball machine. You're right. 
So if there was a more, even a smaller little button, like a little, like, yeah. uh, you know, the little, like not so much an arcade button, but like a little button, both sides, one in the front. Yeah. Other than that, now you can, I did find a way where you could play like this and then use your fingers to nudge. Yeah. Because that will work, but it wasn't ideal. Yep. So, fun thing. I I don't know if you're a serious pinball player, you don't need this. This isn't going to do you any good. Looks pretty cool, though. But it looks really neat. 50 bucks ain't bad. 50 bucks ain't bad to just sit on your shelf and be like, hey, this is really neat. I mean, it's fun to play on, too. Yeah. Honestly. Yep. How did you find that, then? Yeah. So, uh, my friend Oz Retro Gamer, which is on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he like uh, like many many months ago he got one of these from the same guy and he says he loves it and it's fun and he he puts it on his desk he plays it i mean he, he really enjoys it and i i mentioned to him i was like hey man i would love one of these i've been looking for one for a long time i even thought about building one myself um and then he said well this guy he just comes out with little small batches of like 10 15 at a time and then he happened to send me a message on twitter saying hey it's available now. I log in. It's the last one. Nice. So out of, I think it was a batch of 15 or 20, it was the last one. And I just, it was like an impulse buy. I just like, I'm going to get it. And then, and he, he shipped it and it was really fast. And like I said, I've had fun with it. It's just not everything you think it's going to be if you're a serious pinball player. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, when I see that, I think it's going to be something that sits on the shelf and looks cool. Yeah. The fact that it was actually fun to use was yeah a total bonus. A bonus. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, that's that uh speaking awesome. of uh bashing hardware around yeah <laughs> well this is something i definitely didn't want to bash around <laughs> if i can help it <laughs> um yeah so i i think i i you guys have seen this and i did put a picture on twitter and it went around a little bit um but i managed to pick up a very very cool crt screen um called the Philips discoverer yeah super uh, cool this is a um a tv in the shape of a space person's helmet yeah <laughs> yeah it's space uh, person's red helmet. in color uh on the on the actual sort of like the surround of the of the set um and then it's got a big uh sort of like black uh, smoked visor on the front of it um and i picked this up um through an auction house I uh, went and collected it on my way back from a job at work and um, I got there and they walked me through into the area where all this stuff was and uh, I picked it up. And as I picked it up, I'm like, hang on a minute, where's the power cord? And it's like, there's just this little stump hanging off the back. Yeah. And it's, what have you done? And he said, no, no, we cut all the power cords, mate. It's regulation. And I'm like, well, that's really helpful. Why didn't you just chop the plug off at the end and leave the cord on there? So I'm like, I was not happy. No, that's not good. That really sucked. But anyway, I got it home and put it out in the shed and kind of forgotten about it for a while. Um, And then I came back off of holiday and uh, eventually got it out of the shed and had a look at it um and just sort of like gave it a quick wipe over and then i thought well okay let's let's have a quick look at this thing so um it hadn't been obviously switched on for a long long time so it's relatively safe to open up so i opened it up inside and found that that wasn't actually the power cord 
that was the um sort of like the coax cable because uh the old tvs used to have you know like the aerial built in either the round or the twin aerials on it yeah and that was the coaxial cable that went into the rf socket in the back um so the power cord was actually underneath and that was even worse it was cut even shorter so oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's go right okay i've i've got to try and do this so i looked inside and luckily the power cord was actually on a um a push on pull off connector so i thought okay well i'll just have a look on ebay see if i can find one of these and i'll just order up a cable couldn't find one anywhere else so i thought well what can i do um so eventually i came up with the idea of i don't know whether you've seen them over in whether you, uh, you probably do have them i'll just show you and tim goes a waltz scene yeah through his his room there it is so, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well terminal so these strip. are we, yeah we call them chop blocks over here or terminal strips so yeah it's just like a, a a joiner basically okay so what i did is cut it off inside the case joined that and got myself a um just like a spare figure eight power cable because uh, it's only got uh two uh two c- cables on it so two mm-hmm. cores inside um so i just joined that up um and sealed it all and um heat shrink it around and all that sort of stuff so it's you know there's nothing exposed closed the case up <laughs> and then i took it outside <laughs> right <laughs> It catches on fire. Very long extension lead, extension cord. <laughs> Plug that in, went back out, and obviously with the with the mains off, pushed the power button in so it was on. Then ran back inside, flicked the power on, <laughs> so I was well away from it. So this thing was going to go pop. It wasn't going to go pop in my face and let out the smoke. Next time, can you get um, video just in case it does? Exactly. <laughs> that's a that's so, a pixel guide in rating uh, increaser right there. So uh, yeah, it's, it's either that or the next time I drop something out of my loft window. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, I switched it on, and there was nothing. Nothing came up on the screen. And of course, these things are really old, aren't they? So you have to wait for the screen to warm up. It's not an instant on like the right. know, like a normal um, LCD screen or anything like that. So I was staring at it for a couple of minutes, and I walked up to it like just about to unplug it, and of course, then bam, it came up. And nice. I'm like, this thing works. <laughs> That's cool. And it's solid. It's really brilliant. I don't, and, did they um, actually sell those over here? Because I've been looking, and I, I think it might be a UK only. I was going to say, I haven't, I've haven't. i never seen one of these here. I, I Now, before you got that, Tim, I've seen them online. Like I, I, I would always see pictures of them and I'd go, wow, those are so cool. Very 70s kind of, this is what the future is going to be. Um, very cool. So if you if anybody out there wants to see one, go on uh, Tim's Twitter feed, Sanction, S-A-N-X-I-O-N, and check out the pictures he has on there. It looks super cool. But no, I don't think they sold them here. At least That's I never not saw a, them. I, yeah, I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, so I hooked that up with my NT, me, me, my Intellivision, and man, it just looks so good on that screen. It's just so cool. So it's actually a good screen, not only just a oh, cool yeah. piece of uh, enclosure. Absolutely, yeah. And the other thing is, is that I need to get this working. Whilst I was inside there, I didn't realize, but the um, the visor is actually motorized. Really? What? I yeah. did not know so that. So if you switch it on, the visor will go. And did and, and, <laughs> and did, did and did yours do that? 
No, because um, one side, I'm missing one of the, there's like a little round disc yeah. that fits inside and it hooks on to the other side. So the visor's a little bit wobbly. So I'm going to see if I, anyone's, I don't know if there's um, anything out on Thingverse or anything like that. See if someone can 3D print me one. Oh, that um, would be I cool. I'll find the right remote for it as well, because you can't do it from the, um, you can't do it from the actual device itself um, set you've yeah. got to do it from the remote so i've got to try and find a remote with the button on as well but so that's that's for a future project um i want to yeah. see that i want to see the video of that when it comes out yeah uh, that's just just going to be so cool when i've got it sorted do a so, tiktok yo yo yes. so anyway i was really lucky that that monitor didn't murder me yeah so what have you got cody speaking of murder Speaking of murder, uh, I we talked previously. I was playing through um, uh, what's the murder and mystery game? What's it called now? Let me go back to my notes so I f- can remember it. Uh, murder by Numbers, which is Picross mixed with Ace Attorney. Oh, um, Attorney at Law. <laughs> um, we've talked about it, but I finally finished it. A whole whole bunch of Picross games, along with this like these kind of stagnant anime cutscenes, if you will, and. Um, decision making trying to figure out who did what in these murders and whatever it's it was fun i yeah, it probably took me 30 hours altogether to complete wow that's uh, that's a good bang for the buck and i always have to have some kind of like before i go to bed uh play some puzzles kind of a thing before i go to bed mm-hmm. that was it so i finished it which allowed me to start one i've been wanting to start which is dicey dungeons yeah and uh tim i don't know if you've seen this game at all but this game dicey dungeons has gotten great ratings but it's this i don't know how you describe it it's a strategy dice rolling game where uh you can be different characters and you're going through this map and fighting other characters almost a jrpg style but you're using dice rolls and abilities that use those dice rolls to attack people and as you win battles you gain uh levels and you can level up to get more dice and you go through these little dungeons and you can buy different weapons and things it's like a cross between almost like a dice game and a card game and a little rpg not RPG, but like... But uh, it is kind of an RPG. Yeah. yeah there's the oh, I can see the RPG element for the turn-based. Here's inventory. your backpack. Where you, have a, you have an inventory system with a yep. backpack. And those you know, let you pick which weapons you want to bring into battle, and then the dice activate those weapons, and just having a blast with it. Um, Once I saw... Because I saw this when we, I came over to play multi-cooperative games. Um, you showed me this, and I went and bought it. So I've been playing it, too. And I've gotten through the second level... Uh, but then I had to move on to some different things, but I'm coming back to it for sure. It's a fun one. It's a lot. It, it, it does really like, uh, like the strategy, like there's, there is a strategy element to this game of, absolutely of what you take out of your backpack and what you play for certain levels. And then I don't, you said the second level, have you played with different characters or just the warrior? Just the warrior so far. So I played one with each character before I started trying to beat the warrior's entire path. Okay. And each character changes all the weapons, all the rules, how they play, what they do. Yeah. And it changes, like, in drastic ways where it feels like different games every character. Okay. Completely different, like, games. I haven't um, I haven't gotten to that point, but it is a great game. Definitely worth the money. I mean, this is a pretty cheap game, too. And I think I picked it up on sale for eight ninety nine, but full price was, like, 15 Yeah. So, definitely worth 15 So, gotta play it. Great game. <clears throat> Get it, Tim. You're the only one. You're you're the only ho- co-host that hasn't bought it yet. <laughs> Looks very dicey to me. <laughs> hey, where's my drum Speaking shot? of dicey, what's next here? <laughs> we, we've been a slicing and a dicing with our Amigas, Eric, have we not? Have We have, indeed. 
I, mine's supposed to come today. My three point, my official three point two with the ROMs for my A twelve hundred. So we're talking about Amiga OS three point two. Uh, many places. Oh, look, see, Tim even has his uh, physical I, physical ROM there. I know. I, I got the notice today. Mine's supposed to arrive today. Um, but I did get the software and was able to upgrade my Mister, so I do have, I do actually have it running, and I am really enjoying it. Why don't you take over, Tim? I'm sure you have better insight on it than I do. Well, I think we've both kind of like got to that same sort of stage, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we've both done um, well. I've I've done a physical install, so you've done it on your Mister. Is that right? That's right. Said. Yep. Yeah um so i've so you've got that running with kind of like the 3.2 whole rom experience yep i set it up on win uae with obviously the uh emulation so the 3.2 roms on there um and i've got it on my uh a1200 uh that's running up on a cf card um and i've got that all set up um and i did that install using my i can't remember what it's called now uh, my ultimate floppy or whatever it's called um uh, which plugs into the parallel port in the back and i just put the usb stick in there um, and then it just brings up the adfs um so i can uh, boot straight off of df2 with that because it doesn't emulate df0 um so because it's just sort of like just normal workbench or something like that it'll boot off df2 no problem so i was able to do that and it's super easy just to swap the discs on that one as well because it's just got like a little led display and a rotary dial um so you can just switch the discs so you don't really need if you got something like that or a um uh, a gotech it's super simple so you just start off with the uh the install disc um partition up your drive um i just did it on a two gig um cf card on mine um and yeah just just boot it off you partition your drive up into whatever you want um format them up and then um start the installation and it just just literally just guides you through it's just pretty simple uh nice little wizard on there a standard amiga installer wizard and you just run through um what you do need to do is you need to remember that you need um uh, what have you got you got your language disks so your locale disks so for me i had the um english uh, the british locale disk um and there's also a disk i can't remember what it's called now which uh, you need uh, to make sure you've got that disk set up um for your hardware level of your amiga so it takes into account what type of processor you've got and all that sort of stuff and the install installer does like a best guess so it knows roughly what uh, processor you've got and all that sort of thing so it'll bring in all the right libraries so if you're setting it up on a vampire it'll bring in the right libraries for the relevant uh, processor that you've got and all that sort of thing uh, so once you've got it all set up, you just reboot it, um, boots into the latest version of uh, Workbench. Um, then you've got sort of like extra features. Um, so one of the main features for me really is the built-in ADF support. Um, and that is really, really cool. Um, so you can just literally just drop an ADF on your Workbench, um, double-click on it, open that up. Um, so that was the main one I was aware of. That's, that's the one thing I knew was different. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's always, Um, I spend more time, uh, trying to unpack ADS on my Amiga than I do playing games. So, 
one feature yeah. one feature I really loved and it, which I do like the ADF one and I think that is the kind of the killer feature but one thing I always did not like and you could do this through the command shell with a big big long command but to try to find something specifically on the Amiga system you know how Windows has a find like you can just go into Windows yeah. and say yep. find this file and type the name Amiga never had that so if you have thousands of games on your Amiga like I do you can actually just type in, you know, cannon fodder, and it will find the files for you and exactly where they are, and you can just double-click them and go. Yeah. So there is nice. a nice little find feature that was never on any version of of classic uh, Amiga OS. So in a nutshell for... And I, and I don't want to speak for you, Cody, but, like, you just really use Workbench as a game launcher. That's it. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter to you. Like, you just want to launch the game. Except and for get the ADF thing, that is convenient. Exactly. And the ADF <laughs> thing can be overcome by just installing an ADF mounter, which there are two or three of them on uh, download. You can just download and put them into the classic workbench. But if you're doing anything else in Amigo OS, like I do BBSing and I do a different file system kind of things, there are a lot of additional features, quality of life features yeah. that, like the scroll wheel on a mouse works. I haven't been able to get mine to work, but it, the function's there. Um, do you know one of the other cool features that I really like is the ability, and this always used to drive me nuts, <laughs> is that because if you're running sort of like a standard Amiga resolution, like, what is it, 320 by 240 or something like that, you could never move those windows off of the screen. That's right. Oh, That's yeah, right. Yeah. And that is a big one. <clears throat> and this this is such a cool thing, is that you've got the ability to move the windows off of the screen. So you just get that little bit of real estate back. Yeah. So you're just able to pop those windows either side and work a little bit easier. Um, and that's that's really nice. Plus, you've got the um, the resizable. So all of the sides of the screen now are resizable. So it's not just sort of like the it's more like the modern drag, windows. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, one uh, other big thing we forgot to mention is larger hard drive sizes now, because there was a limit, right, of two gigs or four gigs or something like that on Amiga, right? Four. Well, you, I think it's the, four. With the standard fa uh, fast file format. Or, or the fast file system, you could go up to, I think it was four gig. I think it's four gigs, yeah. Was it, was it two gig or four gig? I couldn't remember either way. Um, but you can go up higher than that with the standard OS, but then you've got to load some extra libraries in and there's a complete faff around that um, to get, get it working with eight gig. Um, and the partition programs, once you start going over sort of like two and four, are a bit of a, again, bit, they're not really designed for it, so they've enhanced the 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 HD tools, the hard disk tools as well. Um, so just just to show you show you guys and for for everyone, I'm just holding up. I've actually got um, my ROMs have just come through. Oh, nice! Yes. Got the uh, uh, these are the twelve hundred ones. I've got some others on order. Um, I think I've got some ROMs for my three thousand on order and from an A six hundred, but um retro passion who i got these through from i want to say thank you to retro passion um because they got this through and they went the extra mile in getting me those those roms so i'm really really grateful to them for that so um cool. yeah so if you want to if you're in the uk and you want to grab yourself a copy of um amiga os 3.2 i can really re recommend uh retropassion.co.uk nice. all the computers get an upgrade Yep. We got 1,200s and 3,000s and 600. Tim's not keeping anything original. Uh, Eric, well, speaking the, the, of... What's that? No, don't, 
That's fine. <laughs> Speaking of uh, small green dinosaurs, Eric. Right. And I don't want to go on this too much because I did do my Eric's take last episode 60. I did my whole uh, Eric's take on this. But um, I finally beat Yoshi's Island. I've been playing it for about, I don't know, two and a half months. And yep. uh, I've been playing literally a level a night before I go to bed. Like, I'll play a level and then go to bed. And next day, play another level. Um, almost every day I played it. And I finally beat Yoshi's Island. Super Mario <laughs> World 2. Yoshi's Island. So, and it was a, it, it's a blast. It's one of those games I never played as a kid. Um, I'd play off and on, just dabble in it here and there when I was bored over the years. But finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to pull a Cody and sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to try to beat this game. Although you would play it for five hours in a row or whatever. Straight, yeah. And I didn't do that, but I did beat it. Have so. you played that one, Tim? Yoshi's Island. Um, yeah. I had a, I had a few goes on it um, the other day. Uh, oh, okay. Recent. I'm, I'm extremely influenced by Eric and his Eric's <laughs> take section. <laughs> Thank you. I'm blushing. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had a few goes on that and I've, I've dabbled with it a little bit before in the past um but yeah it's that and um from the last battle of the system kirby um yep. that i really want to go back into because that was just so much fun playing that game it's just brilliant kirby is great yeah yoshi's <laughs> island for whatever reason i've played it a couple times and that one just doesn't do it for me and i don't i can't explain why i know technically it's amazing on the system and mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people rave about it, but it takes you a while to get used to the new mechanics. I will say that's probably why I dabbled more instead of being diehard into it. Yeah, but once I really got into it and got very familiar with the controls, and they weren't confusing, like it, it, it snapped right in. I loved it. I mean, I started to appreciate all the mechanics and all the different things you can do, like the aiming and the shooting and uh, the little slide kicks and stuff like that. Once you get them down in your head and can do do them, you know, you just kind of subconsciously, it's a great game. I mean, I love it. it and the graphics and sound are just top yeah. notch on yeah. SNES. I mean, it's one of the best technical games I've played on the Super Nintendo. And Eric battled through the whole thing, just like I started Battlefield Five. Yeah! <laughs> Woo-hoo. Um, which is funny because that's like the last game in the world that you'd think I'd ever want to play. Right. I, I'm very shocked that you're playing a first-person shooter. First-person, like, multiplayer online shooter, which mm-hmm. is like the bane of my existence. But my buddy mm-hmm. John down the street, like, got <laughs> really into it. Tim's yawning. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, it has a campaign. I found it had a campaign. So I completed the whole campaign, mm-hmm. which was actually um, really well done. Yeah. The, you know, a lot of people don't like the campaigns in these games. I like I've played many Call of Duties. I played the the early Battlefields. Um, I I man that that one Call of Duty about World War Two. I think it's one of the early Call of Duties. Mm-hmm. I played through that, and it was like this epic World War Two saga. Like I was just like, but they play out in like eight hours, and yeah. then they're done. They're, and then they're done. Yeah. So it's kind of cool if like if if you like old school, like not even old school, but first person shooters. Yep. And those games are like strictly multiplayer, mm-hmm. but they have a campaign. You can usually buy like last year's one for eight bucks, mm-hmm. play the campaign for eight hours, and it's actually really fun. And then you don't need to play it again. 
I played the campaign to get good at it so that my buddy John and I can actually, because he's like into the online thing right now with that one game. Yeah. So I'm going to put on my headphones and actually try to play some with him and, and have a blast. Um, and that's what I'm cursing I w- out little kids that are saying things right. I wouldn't dream of saying. Don't be offended by any your mama jokes. Yeah. Okay. Because no. they're, they're coming. <laughs> they're going to be talking about your mom a lot. I'm just going to like be a complete dummy and just be like, wait, how do you know my mom? Where, do you, did you, where did you meet her? Like, <laughs> um, it is like the, for me whenever I play the campaigns on these, I always think they're like eight hour long tutorials on how to play the multiplayer. Yeah, game. That's pretty much. <laughs> but the stories are actually really good. They are very good. It's kind of cool. Very, the cinematics in those are really good. I yeah. mean, they're usually really, really pretty cool. So, so that, that I mean, you, you could have played that on the. I played it on the PS4. Yeah, exactly. So. That brings me to mine, which is what I want to talk about because I'm going to play this with you. I'm going to go buy Battlefield Five. That was a soft. That was a softball transition, and you just took it down a dirty, bumpy road. So Tim, <laughs> I'm going to talk to Tim because he's being mean to me. Um, <laughs> talk, so, talk to me, Eric. Come on, so Eric. Tim, me and you, buddy. Let's let's go. You know how you usually like you you play a console and you hand them down to your kids. You know how that's how the di- the direction of that how that that's usually how it goes. Exactly. My kids well, get nothing. Well, something different <laughs> happened. So, you know, I bought my son an Xbox Series X, like one of the new ones. Yeah. yeah. And he's loving it. He, he's playing it. He hasn't touched his PS4 since I bought that. And I got a bill on my Visa because the online thing renewed, you know, the yearly PS4 oh. online thing renewed. And I was like, what? So I got this bill for 50 bucks or whatever it is. And I'm like, I went to my son, Sam, and I'm like, hey, I got charged for this. Are you still using it? Because if he was still using it, I, I, it wouldn't bother me. But he's like, no, it's in my closet. I haven't touched it. So I was like, all right, are you going to use it? And he's like, no, not really. You can just cancel it. And I was like, no, sell, it, sell it to me for 50 bucks then. <laughs> well, so I was like, well, oh, you've already charged 50 bucks. For I, my I, visa. There you go. <laughs> See, Tim, Tim's on it. I, so I did the math and I'm like, I already got charged for this. I can't get a refund. So, I was like, Sam, I'm going to take this and hook it up in the game room. He's like, oh, that's fine. So I hooked up my PS4. I, I had to log into it. I had to delete all of his friends because they're all like the talking about my mother kind of guys. <laughs> and uh, I, delete, I deleted all how, those. How many, how many downloads did you have to do? It had been switched off for like three hours, but you still had to download about 50 updates. Yeah, I de- definitely <laughs> did. Exactly. I, did, I, had to, I had to update it, refresh it. Um, I had to change my name to whatever sarcastic, smart-ass name my son named himself i had to change it to dove project and then uh, exactly 69 um, <laughs> he doesn't even know what that means but he still uses it um, but uh, i had to like put my name on there and then now so i have a ps4 with with online capabilities so I, next time i go over to a used uh game store cody i'm gonna go get it's you sure it's battlefield 5 i don't want to buy the wrong thing well it's free right now oh is with, it? with the pass you bought is it or was it last month? I would check. I think it's free right now. All right, I'm going to go on there. I'm going to try to download that, and you're going to have to add me. Add me. Add me, bro. That means if it's free, then I might have it as well, because I think I've still got that PlayStation Plus thing, whatever it is. Yeah, see, that would might be still, awesome. I might, might see, still be playing that. You went from yawning well. to, like, hmm, maybe I'll get a shot. Yeah, but I, I really suck at those type of games. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> it's been a very long time. They're hard with they're hard with the controller. Keyboard it, and mouse is so much easier. It is. It really is. So that's a hand me up. That's <laughs> right. Is that how that works? Like yeah. back up the chain. It's it's more like a give me back. Give me back. <laughs> Speaking of vector so, graphics, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking yeah. of video games. I actually don't have a whole lot of catching up because uh, just things that life has been crazy. But I ordered a <clears> bunch <throat> of Vectric stuff. I was hoping to be here by today, but it's not. Okay. Um, some wow. new wow. new Vectrix games with new overlays. Oh, sweet. So um, I guess that's just a teaser for next month because I'll really go into that next month when I get them. That is all. Cool. Well, speaking of Texas Instruments. Yeah, exactly. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been playing that fantastic TI-99-4A um, that uh, you guys sent me. Thank you very much again. It's very, very much appreciated. Um, do you know what? I absolutely love this thing. It Isn't is it a great? fantastic machine. I'd never, never had any idea that I was going to have so much fun delving into the library in this. Um, and you know what? It's like <clears throat> the, the successor or the, the kind of like the parallel. I feel this is the parallel machine to the ZX Spectrum from America. Okay. Um, the look and the feel of the system, even the on-screen font. I don't know if you've noticed the on-screen font that it uses in all the games is pretty much bob on to the, yeah. uh, to the spectrum font. Um, and that's one of the first things that really struck me is like, what, wait, hang on a minute. This has got the spectrum font on it. This is really weird. <laughs> um, and yeah, some, some of the early games are early games for the want of a better word. Um, they're, you know, pretty basic and probably written in basic. Most of them probably are. Um, but there's just some fun, great fun games on it. Um, and one thing that, that, well, literally one of the only things that you didn't, you guys didn't, uh, <laughs> uh furnish me with, um, was a joystick adapter. And so I ordered one of those up. I had that on order while I was on, on holiday. Uh, it's waiting for me when I got back. Uh, so plug that in and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, that's the other good thing with this is that there's literally all of the games support joystick and keyboard. Um, so again, similar none of this, to this, uh, none of this, this BBC stuff. stuff, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's just, and the, the colors on it, it's just really nice. The colors pop on it. There's, you know, as opposed to the ZX Spectrum, I'm probably going to get shot for this one, but there's no screen clash with the TI-99. Nope. And it does proper hardware sprites as well. I never realized that. Um, and technically, it's like a 16-bit machine, but very little of the system actually runs on 16-bit, but technically... That surprises me. I wouldn't have thought that. There. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so... Thank you very much. I've really been enjoying my TI-99. Still need to get a speech synthesizer, yep. though. That's the final, the final thing. Well, you know what? I'll keep my eyes open. We'll dig one out, and maybe in the next box we'll have a little synthesizer surprise for you. Yeah. Um, what, what, I love the aesthetics of the TI, and the cool thing, uh, just like the C64, I mean, it's not as big as the C64, but the community behind the TI, they're constantly coming out with new stuff quality of life stuff stuff that makes things better on the ti uh there is a, a thing called the tippy and the tippy is the uh it's like a it's like a floppy drive emulator so you can plug that in and it runs on a raspberry pi zero and that the raspberry <laughs> the raspberry pi zero plugs into this tippy thing and it emulates the floppy drive so all those games that are trapped on floppy you can play with just this little add-on on the side, and it's pretty inexpensive. So a lot of neat neat stuff on the TI. Yeah. 
and you can you can expand it into the next time zone as well. So you can literally bolt on, bolt on, bolt. On, bolt oh, absolutely. On you need a you long need desk. A, in the in the eighties, it's what sold the super long desks. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> how long that thing goes. Cool. Um, so speaking of joysticks, you can plug joysticks into a VIC twenty. That's True. legit. That was a legit. <laughs> yeah, one right there. Um. Uh, last month i showed you guys um and explained to the listeners that um i got myself a nice vic 20 with the pet keys um after exploring a bit more with the vic 20 i realized that half of the keyboard was not working oh no so what that sucked (laughs) and that okay so that was the one with the special pet keys right yeah that's okay. right with the with the pet keys so yeah. very 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 nervously i opened it up mm-hmm. and took the keyboard out um uh, undid all the the millions of screws on the back of the on the actual keyboard itself those tiny um, tiny little screws i remember doing keyboard yeah. repair on my commodores they're like they're like the tiniest little screws that you can imagine right yeah absolutely tiny so yeah. i've got like um a little little bowl or something like that and put every single one of those screws in there because you lose one of those and and you're hosed yep, yep. <laughs> absolutely it's never going to work properly again because you can't keep the pressure between the 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 touch the what they're called mylars or whatever you want to call them membranes yep um so anyway yeah so i was really nervous about this and i spoke to uh rod from future was 8-bit um and he said yeah you should be all right just be really really careful when you take it out um and i cleaned up everything sort of like gave it a good um clean over and bit of ipa on the contacts that sort of stuff put it back together and bingo we have a fully working pet keys so oh that that is awesome lucky escape for me on that one i was because i don't know of anyone who makes those vic 20 mylars because i mean there's a lot of uh yeah nice (laughs) nice sound effect for tim uh because i mean some people make amiga mylars and some other things but i i don't know of anyone who makes the vic 20 mylars yeah, I mean, uh, again, I don't know because this is obviously the pet key one. You know, there's millions of C64 keyboards out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a few C64 donors here that I'm sure I could grab I one. I think of it's the same out. one. I don't think they're any different. Okay. All right. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I was just really super, super careful with this one. And um, yeah, it turned out really well. So I was absolutely stoked about that. So my, my VIC-20 is back in rude health. That is that awesome. Is rude health. I don't know that term. I, I saw you put I, that on Twitter. Yeah. Rude health. <laughs> I haven't heard it before, but I'm going to use it. And then I'm, I'm down. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only re- that might be like one of the very few things I know about Commodore computers more than you guys, simply because I bought that lot of like 20 of them. Yeah. And I've yeah. been through the guts on those keyboards so many times at this point. Yeah. And mechanically, they're all identical. Everything, every single one I saw, which was quite a range, but yeah. Anyway, well, even the pet key ones. Yeah, because the keys were different, but not the actual, um, I mean, I, I guess I'm not 100% sure, but even the actual um, physical shape of the key was the same. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a little, little break here in between, because Cody put a beer in front of me here. That I did. Did you have another beer going, Tim, or are you... Uh... I could get one if you give me a minute. Sure. Well, we'll <laughs> open this one, and we'll let you go get grab one. So Cody put this in front of me. This is a West Coast Shandy, Orange mm. Avenue... Coronado Brewing Company, which I've heard of before, but I don't remember what beers I've had so, by them. I think I'm pretty sure we had it on the show. One of my favorite 
few favorite IPAs. Yeah. West Coast IPAs. It's called uh, Weekend Vibes. Okay. I think we had it on the show, but it's really good. Okay. And these guys make that. So I decided to grab something else by that brewery. Yep. And I know you and I both enjoyed orange beers in the past. Shandy Ale with Orange and Honey. Awesome. No, yeah. I yeah, let me I'm looking forward to trying this bad boy. This is a tall boy. As is uh most beer over here right now. Yeah, a lot of the more indie beers are in the tall boy format here. It smells amazing. Yeah, it does smell very orangey. I'll have to ask uh Tim about the uh the shandy here. Coronado, California, which is San Diego area. Right there. It's pretty much San Diego. I poured mine like a knucklehead, so I've got a lot of uh, foam here. So, Well, if you want, you, I could say something. You could take it the wrong way and then cough into it and laugh and spill it all over. Don't say anything about beavers and I should be okay. <laughs> this is not from Belgian Beaver Brewery. Okay, good, good. This is West Coast Shandy. So let's go ahead and give that a shot while uh, while Tim is a walk-in here. I'm yeah. going to go and take a sip. Go ahead. Uh, mine is uh, all fixed up here, so I'm going to take a little Whoa. sip. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're in the danger Whoa. zone here. I'm going to take a sip now. Danger zone! First of all, like I'm smelling this as I'm bringing it to my face, mm-hmm. and it smells like orange. Like it, I mean, it, it slaps you in the face with 10 pounds of orange. It tastes stronger than it smells, my friend. That is an orange Jolly Rancher is what the, Tim would like this. Holy moly. <laughs> That's like drinking carbonated orange juice in the morning. Carbonated, imagine, is, imagine drinking carbonated orange juice, Tim, Tim. we basically just had a Jolly Rancher in beer form. Yeah. No way. Um, <laughs> so, Ooh, this one is orangey. Uh, can you see? Uh, am I screen sharing? I can't remember what I'm doing right now. You probably can't see what uh, I'm doing. No, I can't see. You can't can't see me. All right, let me unscreen share. So while the b- orange beers we've had in the past were orange sickle, they're they're tamped down by the vanilla flavor Shiny. in them. So so do you agree with me? I mean, the orange we've had have been they've had a vanilla flavor that kind they've of been like creamy. They, yeah, it moderates the orange flavor. This one, the moderation has been stripped, and this one is like orange so when i went to to I, we talked about this already in the show but when i went to yeah. the uk yeah. i was 16 and the fact that someone uh, of my age could order drinks there and like not get carded and not get yeah. shut down all this stuff was like mind-blowing to us americans yeah like, like don't don't get us wrong at 16 we can go out and shoot guns all day but yeah you know can't, drink, buy a beer. can't drink a beer but um so my mom would order always order shandies for for me yeah and uh, I don't think I particularly cared for them, but I think she, because they were like half beer and half not beer, she felt better about giving me something. Anyways, so a shandy, though, is what what you guys would call lemonade, right? And no. lager? Uh, yeah, well, well, lemonade and beer, lemonade yeah. and lager. You can also you can also have a cider shandy, so it's basically the alcoholic beverage topped up with um, lemonade. But your lemonade isn't our lemonade. <clears throat> your lemonade was Ooh. like... Um, was it, is it, I thought it was completely different when I was there. I thought it was like almost like lemon seltzer water. It's just just uh, it's a lemonade, lemon carbonated drink, lemon lemonade. Yeah, yeah. Our, our lemonade here is it's not, not carbonated, carbonated. It's, not at all. Uh, it's, right, okay, it's basically lemons and sugar, M- mostly sugar, some yeah. lemon. <laughs> yeah, mostly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can, we, we, yeah, we, we do. We have both, so we we normally call that cloudy lemonade, um, whereas we have sort of like a lemon flavored pop drink for the want of a better word Woo! all right out of a 12 pack of jolly ranchers how many given this thing out of a 12 pack huh um 
I'm not going to lie. I like it. Because I do like the sweet as kind of beverage. tart things. <laughs> as a beverage. As a beer. It's yeah, not, so it's hardly I, beer. I think we're going to have to deploy the old pixel guide and double standard here. <laughs> double double rating system. Yeah. So yeah. as a beer. You mean everything we don't do is a double standard? <laughs> as a beer, I'm going to give this oh my a, gosh. As a beer, I'm going to give this a six. I'm going to give it a four as a beer. Okay. As a drink, I like it. Yeah, I'm going to give it. Different. I'm going to give it a nine as a drink. As I like a, it as a drink. To me, it tastes like tang. Yeah, I like tang. Do you, do, do you have tang <laughs> over there? Yeah, the yeah. Do you not drink. Get any of the the honey tones from it though. No, is it just pure orange. I don't taste any honey no, at honey. all. It's Jolly Rancher orange. It tastes yeah. exactly like tang, but with a weird like mild beer aftertaste. Yeah, which means as a beverage, that's worse than Tang. And and check this out, Tim. the The foam, the head, gone. Like yeah, it has disappeared. It's, it's just it looks like um, looks like uh, well, yes, a bit like um, uh, pure, 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 proper cider. Um, I I but, yeah. I, I got to be honest. I like it. I mean, I'm not, it's not a great beer, but it's not a bad beverage. As a beverage, I'm still going to give it a six. Okay. I'll drink it. It's refreshing-ish, but... What do you got for us, Tim? What are you drinking? I've got um, a Brewdog Juice Shack. Mm. Juice so Shack. This is another IPA, but this is a Tropical Milkshake IPA. Ooh. Interesting. interesting. That's a hazy, then. Mm. All right. Yep, yep. It's going to be this bad boy up It's going to be unfiltered and creamy and Pop that thick. up. Ooh. Oh, my. He's cracking her open. Let's see. Uh, oh, let me get my next item here. Oh, yeah, that's a good pour. That's a good pour. Pixel Gaiden, where you can drink beer and listen to game chats. Or listen to people drink beer while you play games. Flip the script. So is it... Cheers, guys. Yeah. Oh, Cheers. Yeah. We oh, yeah. Do that. We Cheers. Do that. Hey! Hmm. Fruity. Fruity, that's your rating? Yep, it's fruity. Oh, speaking of fruity, did you try the juicy fruit gum? No, not yet. Oh, okay. That's about the that. only thing I haven't tried yet. Any any winners in that in that group of stuff we send <clears throat> over? Um yeah, I liked the uh, the the warheads, the sour warheads. Now now this is one thing I wanted to pick you up on actually, Cody. <laughs> is that you say that they're sour in the middle. Yeah. They're not. No? These ones are so not. They're sour to start off with. They're like face churningly sour to, sour to start <laughs> off yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa, warhead. <laughs> and then it just sort of like mellows out after about a minute. Um, and then after that, they just sort of like just. Yeah, the, the, center, the center was all fizzy though, right? No. Nope. What, what am I mixing it up with then? I swear they were. I don't remember. Maybe I mean, it's been a long it. time since I've had warheads. Maybe, so yeah, they, maybe it, maybe probably had, caused, it probably caused cancer or something. So they probably changed it. I bet. I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. If, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they had lawsuits because kids were getting like ulcers yeah. in their cheeks. <laughs> it yeah. was deteriorating. It was like bleeding through their cheeks. Well, like no, like when we were playing baseball, kids would put it in the same side of their cheek over and over and over again, and they would like skin would flip, like it would come off. <laughs> Inside yeah. their cheeks, like that was an actual thing that was happening. That's an urban legend. Nope, I it's saw, like Bigfoot. Saw my own eyes. So those those um mostly sugar straws. Um, oh, the pixie sticks. Right. Yeah, those those are great. <laughs> those are terrible. Those Actually are great. Fed half of one of those to Danica, and you could just see her eyes go boing. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's like taking this sugar jar at home and just being like, ah. yeah. I was just like, yeah, I want sugar. <laughs> Flavored sugar. Give me sugar. Um, and what was the other one? Oh, um, I had one of those, um, the, the candy sticks as well. The, um, the chewy candy sticks. Airheads, right? The uh, taffy. Blue watermelon or something like that. That wasn't, yep. that wasn't bad. I mean, it resembles nothing in a food group. <laughs> um, more like chewing plastic, but it's it's tasty plastic, <laughs> kind of like gum is rubber. Yeah, something like that. But so, Tim, yeah. what uh, what uh, how do you like the beer? The beer you have to rate good. your beer. What is it? Um, out of a twelve pack of Jolly Ranchers, <laughs> twelve pack of Jolly Ranchers, I'm gonna go with a solid eight. Wow, high praise. Yeah, I like this one. It's nice. I, I must admit, I've had a couple of these ones already, so I know what this one's like. But yeah, Fair enough. It's good. He's not surprised. All right, let's continue on. What have we been up to, bros? Well, I finally got mine. I'm just pointing it at Tim here. A Jaguar game drive. I got my game drive. So, of course, uh, I like to buy from the Stone Age Gamer because they make these really cool cases, super sweet cases for not very. much. I mean, they get 15 bucks extra for their deluxe version. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, inside it looks the same. Well, I mean, on the back it does. It's made out of that cool, yeah, like cardboardy stuff. And then just on the front, it's got, you know, yeah. Uh, if you want to check that out, Eric. Yes. And, like um, I said, it, man, it, I don't have a Jaguar, but I thought about buying one of these because they're not going to be the easiest thing to get in the future. Yeah. But and, really all you want it for, Eric, is just the, the awesome attract mode isn't it when you turn it on oh yeah the, the <laughs> i would love to have that and so i got all kinds of stickers and all kinds of stuff that came with it free games that came on there um games owned by pico uh pico oh. interactive oh that's cool so all the, anytime you order anything by stone age gamer yeah all the games that pico owns for that system come with it that's part of their deal that's really cool so it came with a bunch of stuff on here um, and of course the cool bit box and everything. But anyways, so now I have the ability to play any Atari Jaguar game I want on my Jaguar. So assuming have you played I, any game on your Jag- assuming Jaguar? Assuming I, I own all the, the ROMs, which I do, including of course you do. the CD games, which actually I have not been able to get one to work yet. I haven't tried too much yet, though, but that's my next no. goal. Yeah. Um, it usually anything, takes a little bit. Have you gotten any of the, the CD games working yet, Tim? No, I don't know whether mine needs an update. I, to be honest with you, I've, my Jaguar is back in its box at the moment. Um, I've had so many other things to deal with yeah. this month that it just needed to go back in the box so it didn't get trodden Oof. on or dropped anything on it. So, the, yeah, the, it's safe. The demands on a Pixel Guide and co-host are formidable. Yeah, it no, is. it's it truly is. It's, I, I mean, it's we no should joke. be making at least six figures doing this. <laughs> we should be. Yeah. So, yeah. thank you, Patreon subscribers, because we're very close. <laughs> we're very, so close. <laughs> we're very very close. Uh, if you include sense, um, <laughs> not even. None, none of if, us have got any of that. No, no. Well, Eric and I are drinking it at the moment. Exactly. Saving it up. <laughs> You're not supposed to get high on your own supply, but that's all we're doing, Eric. <laughs> um, so anyways, on the, I have played a few games on here, and I stuck with the ones I knew I would enjoy. I'll be honest. Uh, I played a ton of Wolfenstein, oh, which, that, I'm, which I'm loving. That's got to be the great. I, I love Wolfenstein. I've loved... It's such a good franchise, so I'm glad to hear you're, that it's good yeah. on the Jaguar. I've uh, been playing... A lot of the Tempest 2000, not the original mode, Brilliant but the, the 2000 mode, yeah. which makes yeah. it a whole lot more fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> of course, I've already, before I got this, I've already played all the way through Doom and beat Doom. Yeah. 
Um, so I've really been sticking. I haven't tried uh, Alien vs. Predator yet, but that's, I know what that's I what I want to hear about because everyone yeah. says that's the killer app. So I want to hear well, if it's it really is. good. I, I can vouch for that. It is brilliant. I, I've, I've, put a, I've put about three quarters of an hour into it, and it is very, very good. Uh, very I good. have a potential battle of the systems for us. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. But although when we do this, we might have to get Tim to switch back to battle the Simpson- systems with us. Okay. It would be like alternate first-person shooters. Yeah. Alien versus Predator versus Marathon on the Mac. It's going to be tough. The first to play. Bungie game. The game it's going to be tough that, for me to play on real hardware. You've got that big old. I do. Mac I, could, I could do that, that. I, that. I gave you. I can do that. I could do that, but I can't do the Jaguar. I'm going to have to come yeah, over here. There's and no play. Mister for that. There's no Jaguar. I can't do the Mac either. There's no Jaguar. Ah, well, I guess we'll have to start buying hardware so we can do this. I would love to, if there was a Jaguar uh, core on the Mister, that would kind of satiate my desire for a Jaguar, but there isn't. So I've still... So you'll have I to still, come over and play with me. I'd have to come like over here and do it. Yep. We're going to beat it start to finish. Start to finish. That would be fun. <laughs> Doing the old school, like, schoolyard, like, hand the controller back and forth just to play it. That would be fun. Yeah. And, then, and, then if, and then one of us is slightly better than the other player. They hog it the whole time. Just say, no, you can watch. You can watch. That would be you, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> you suck at this level. You're watching. <laughs> Cody, I can't beat level one here. <laughs> controller, man. <laughs> Uh, Tim, you and your daughter have been up to some shenanigans. I want to hear about this, Tim, because this sounds so cool to me. Yes. So um, I didn't even know about this. Okay. Uh, Danica just came up to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, I want this game. And I'm like, what is it? And expecting, like, you know, another run and jump platformer cutesy game or something like that. She was like, no, um, I want Doki Doki <coughs> Literature Club. And you're like, plus. no! Never. No! You will never know the story of Natsuki. <laughs> um, so anyway, yes, um, this is she wanted uh, the Game Builder Garage on the yeah. Nintendo Switch. And I was like, I have no problem at all with that. And mm-hmm. she even offered to pay for it out of her own dime as well, which is really cute. That's cool. She wants it. I mean, that, yeah. that, yeah, that is really cool. Yep. Um, so she has been going through this. I must admit, I haven't had a huge amount of time um, to to give it a go myself. The first day it was uh, it came out, um, I I surprised her. Basically, I just bought it and downloaded it for her. And if she wants to pay me for it, that's fine. It's entirely up to her. Um, so she got up on the Saturday morning, and there it was waiting for her. Um, so she started playing through it and she's been absolutely hooked. So this, this one that you've got, that one that you've got on the screen back there, the, the little shoot em up, yeah. um, she's actually been through and programmed that whole game and oh, customized cool. it as well. <laughs> so just to, um, to clarify real quick, it is a yeah. game programming, uh, software program teaching tool suite thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of akin to a scratch kind of system. I don't know if you've seen scratch before, which is on the, on the Raspberry Pi and you can do it on the web. Um, she's done a bit of scratch work before. So she's kind of like a bit into that side of things. So she knows what she's doing. Um, but this has been very sort of like Nintendoized. Um, so it's nice and super easy to use. Um, you start out, um, just going through the tutorials. Now, the great thing is, is that each and every kind of like programming aspect or tool um, has a little uh, person or a little character. These characters are called nodons. 
Now, each nodon does a function. Um, so you can have like a person nodon, you can have a button nodon, you can have a stick nodon, you can have a sensor nodon, you can have a teleportation nodon, um, and then you have like a world nodon, so you can change the world, so the visual appearance, you can have a um, music nodon, so you can change the music in the background. Um, but to just play music in the background is not as simple as just say, I want to play this music or oh, no. So you've got to put a constant on there because it's going to be constantly running in the background. You've got to set that to a variable. Then you join that up with your background music node on. You select the music. The good thing with the music in here is that you can, it's not like a sound tracker, but um, you can choose different um, different uh, variations on your musical theme. So you can have like a, a different type of drum beat, you can have a different bass, you can have a different vocals or a different lead, um, and you can tune the sort of like the music to make it fit the atmosphere of your game so if you've got like a space game or something like that you can give it sort of like that atmospheric space music um <clears throat> and the, basically what it does is it starts you off um at a very basic level um that you uh, design your first you know you go through and you design your first game um i think the first one is just like a it's like a little two-player a game where you get a little ball and it starts at the top of the screen it comes down and then you you are sort of like the first person to try and get the ball um and the platforms move sorry sorry the platforms move <laughs> about a bit um and um you you just go on from there but she's just been having so much fun with this um and i'm just sitting there watching her now and like even i'm starting to get a bit lost in what she's doing now and nice. she's just I mean, she's going through all the tutorials, so the system's kind of like um, taking her through, holding her hand, for the want of a better word. She has been assimilated. Uh, yes, she's she's going through, <laughs> but she's learning about it. She's learning about timers, which is your arch nemesis, Eric. Yes. So she'll put timers in your games. <laughs> I would never um, put timers I've in already told her that. If, I said, if you do a game for Eric, you've got to put a timer in there. Mm. Um, <laughs> no! Um, very short and make the music get faster and faster and higher pitch as it gets closer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really cool. Like, you know, just the simple things that you think of, like you, you have your button node on, which has got the different buttons. You link those to your character. So when your character, you press B, your character does this, your character does that. Um, uh, yeah, it's just great. It's just so it's just such a brilliant little thing to come out with on the switch. Um, I know that you can also like um, plug in a keyboard and a mouse to it. So I was just about to ask that because I'm watching this yeah. guy do it and he's moving around super quick with an arrow and I'm like, can you plug a mouse into switch? I guess so. Yeah, I guess absolutely. you can, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Um, so yeah, she, she's just loving that. Um, and I can, I can see this is something that she's going to get some real fun out of. I don't know whether there's any way that you can take the games out of the, the build structure. Um, I, I know, I know you can just like the Mario level maker. I, cause I've seen a little bit of this where you can post a code like, Hey, right. okay. on Twitter, I could post a code. And if anybody puts that in their 
garage their game builder it'll launch the game yeah but you so can't like yeah. publish your own games from it or anything yeah N- not yeah. that uh, yeah i don't know about that but you can share them which man i'm looking at this guy like on the video that we're that we're looking at together now can you imagine making like a modern battle zone you can make a battle yeah. zone with the tank and like 3d yep. with buildings and stuff with that would be so bazooka gun arms i would love it i would love yeah. it so that <laughs> it, it looks amazing i god man if, if this came out when i was a kid I would have spent every waking hour playing that. I would have spent. Yeah. 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 So all, all we had, Eric, was Gary Kitchen's Game Maker. Do you remember that? From I, that I, I, I do remember that. And I, I downloaded, I pirated a copy. Shh, Gary Kitchen would be upset <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, but I remember downloading that and trying to figure that out. But I, uh, and also shoot em up construction set on the 64 yeah. is a big one too. Because frankly, I mean, I would love to make shoot em ups. I mean, I would, mm-hmm. that would be, if I had to make a game, that would probably be the one I'd want to make. Agreed. Yeah, I've actually have made one a long time ago in college. I made a little one. Yeah, you'll have to Where try it? it sometime. Come you'll have on, to try man. it sometime. You're underwater and you fight a giant crab for the first boss. You know, big time stuff. <laughs> Cyborg crab. Um, cool. Erica, speaking of the switch, you you've done a little switching. So the funny thing is, I wanted to buy this in the physical format, and that, that would be the Castlevania Anniversary. Yeah edition and i went on limited run games and it's like 34.99 for the the most basic one and then it goes up from there for like the bonus is available now though no it's all pre-order see i can't do that I, that kills yeah. me so i want I looked, it if i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna buy it let me buy it so i looked at all of the different um you know versions editions of this and i was like okay man i'd really like to get this sometime but then i went on the switch the e-shop and guess how much the digital version was? It was on sale for four ninety nine. You got it exactly four dollars ninety nine cents. I was like, so do I wait and at minimum pay thirty five bucks for the physical one, or do I just get it at five bucks? You just at get five it. Bucks, Buy it. I just Buy got it. it, and so I went and downloaded it. There's a lot of great games on there, and sure, like I could launch my EverDrive and play a lot of these on the original systems, but of course, there but- are some. There, there's a digital book on here that is really cool that shows the history of Castlevania. But there's also um, a game that was never released in English called uh, Kid Dracula. Yep. And so that's where I decided to start. And I've been playing it, and it's a blast. I love that. I haven't played it in English. I've played uh, the Japanese The one. Japanese version. So now it's in English, this Kid, Kid Dracula version. It's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I never played it before, so that's worth the four ninety nine to me, at least. Now, I've only, now, I considered doing that for one of our battles, because instead we did, um, what was the Splatterhouse? The, yeah, the yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. That's right, yeah. Uh, but that was the other game I was thinking about doing for that kind of imported, not in English. Yep. Uh, NES game, yeah. So I, I, I did really want the physical version, but I just I kind of uh, you know thought the digital version was a better value. So I went and grabbed it, and Kid Dracula is worth the cost of the of admission there. And I've played through the first I think three levels on Kid Dracula, and I'm loving it. Uh, and I'm, I'm eager to get to the rest. One thing this brings to the table is save states. So if you're like me and you're a busy guy um, and you can't just wait till you get to save areas or there are no save areas in the game, this gives you save states. Now, it doesn't give you rewind or anything fancy like that. Yeah. I don't want that, personally. I don't yep. even want that option. Save this states is, is one thing. but This is literally like a one-slot save state. So, I mean, Perfect. it just lets you pick up where you left off and that's it. Um 
A lot of quality of life features, though, like you can change your controls and stuff like that. So it gives you a lot. Whoa. <laughs> well, what are you doing there, Cody? Come on, man. Hey, there's things I'm, I'm doing for the show members, not for the audience. So yeah. just continue. Yeah. But anyway, that's it. Uh, it $4.99 on the eShop. You should get it if you love Castlevania. Uh, I'm one of those guys who the only Castlevania game I've really gotten into was Symphony of the Night, but I loved it. Symphony of the Night's great. It's, uh, to me, it's the peak, peak Castlevania. But I want to start getting into the history of it and playing some of the earlier games, and this is a great way to do that. So, Speaking of Japanese video games, yeah, that's actually a legitimate transition. I'm playing another modern game that you guys never would have guessed. I would. Oh, I, I've hinted at it. I've been wanting to play one of these Yakuza games because I keep yeah. hearing about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you guys, but if I can go anywhere, everyone always says, if there's one place you have to go before you die, where is it? And it's Japan. Japan. I, I want to go. go. Japan. 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 Oh, hold on. Do I have, do you have that? You no. don't. I- no, oh, you... I do have a new one, though. Hadouken! Hadouken! <laughs> but you don't have Japan! No, I took it. I ain't got a... There's only so many buttons on this board. I'm going to need to get, like, a 64-key <laughs> yeah, keyboard. Yeah, like a big, giant board. Uh, so I've been playing Yakuza Kiwami because it came free with PlayStation Plus. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to lie. It's, a, it's one of those kind of slow-paced because they try to fit so many cutscenes. Not, it's not all cutscenes, but... They tell a lot of story and cutscenes, and there's lots of things going on, and you know, you, you'll be running, and all of a sudden it'll stop and go black, load for a second, then turn on, and it'll be like some storyline thing. Yep. But it, it really is fun. You're you're this ex Yakuza member in this particular one, yep. and um, you're just running around this very real, I guess, real Japanese city. It's a fake fake city, but it's very Japanese. Yeah. And. Um, like here, here you can just go into random shops, and that's what I love about it the most. Is yeah, you're fighting like street gangs and things, and punching them, beating the crap out of them, which is actually kind of it, the gameplay is not terribly fun, I'll be honest. But you can walk into like a Japanese store and like buy different types of ramen. You can go yeah. to a whiskey bar and have like scotch and Japanese uh, scotch or Japanese whiskey in the scotch style, which yeah. is popular over there. Yep. Um, these tiny little, like, there, there's whiskey bars where you walk in, there's literally three seats, a person behind the bar, and like, it's, like, as big as the room we're in right now. Yeah. Like, that's the whiskey bar. Like, And I've seen real places like that in big cities. Like, I remember when I visited New York, there'd be these little tiny... Okay, okay. Little tiny hole-in-the-walls, like, literally the size of a, of a bedroom, but they're full-service little bars. Yep. And yeah. just some of the, like, yeah, Japanese... Get, um, <clears throat> ice bars as well, things like that, can't you? Yeah. Ice bars, huh? I don't know what that is. Tim's choosing not to respond to whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. Now, I I dove into Yakuza games because they were offered free on the Xbox service. And for you, Tim, because I know you just got an Xbox One, um, if you sign up for the Ultimate Game Pass, the the remake, remastered versions of a lot of the Yakuza games are available on the Game Pass for free. You just download them if you have that service. And I I I doubt... The karaoke, that looks cool. Yeah, I downloaded exactly. Yeah, I downloaded a couple of these, and I just dabbled in them, and I want to get back to them. But they they do seem fun. And what's really cool about it is a walking yep. around Japan. Yep. And B, and you might have heard this on some of these games. Each one of these games is riddled with mini games, mm-hmm. kind of like Super Monkey Ball, Tim. That's right. Where you can get lost in the mini games for hours. So this one's karaoke, which basically becomes like a rhythm game. Yeah. Um, there's. Uh, one I was spending a lot of time on where you go to these little... Um, it's kind of like we have slot cars over here. Yeah. Like slot car kind of a things. Mm-hmm. And you buy a slot car and you can win things and you win tokens. You can buy more parts. 
but you can also go around the city during the the normal game and find like special parts you can't get at the slot car store. Gotcha. And so you're trying to like win these slot car championships. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing. You can also go to the batting cages and you're trying to hit home runs and like upgrade bats. Like yeah. just all this, all these mini games, tons of them. Yeah. Now, now remember the game on the Dreamcast, Shenmue. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yep. Like I tried, I've downloaded that numerous times and burned them to discs and tried to like get into Shenmue and I never could really get into that, but it does remind me of that a little bit. Like it's almost like a little either, I don't know if which one came first, but they do seem like similar games. Yeah. I mean, this one's pretty, um, Oh, he's beating the, beating the crud out of this guy. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's definitely interesting. And then there's all these RPG elements where you level things up. I don't know. It's just, there's a ton to it. Now, yeah. if you ask me to define what kind of game it is, I couldn't. Now, which which system did you play this on? PS4? PlayStation 4, okay. because it was uh, free a while back, and so I downloaded it for free. So, <laughs> Anyways, I love it. I, I was I mean, it's not something that I can sit there and just like play over and over and over again or like but when I hop in there I just get the I, I feel like I'm somewhere else and in, in theory it's Japan. Yeah. yeah. Um Yep. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So speaking of Japan, wait, what's next? Uh, bu- 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 Japan has magazines and so does Tim. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a mega bundle of magazines. Mega bundle. Um, this that is just looks like that just looks like <laughs> old paper from the eighties. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, so there's Zap sixty fours, a plenty. So there's some of those. There you go. Um, there is uh, a whole bunch of, um, and I've never seen these ones before. Amstrad computing. Computing with the Amstrad. Hmm. And. To be honest with you, I, I could sit here and read these for hours, but the cool thing is, is that obviously they've just got program listings in them, but they've got like super cool adverts and all those sort of things in there. Like, uh, I, I know, 3D Star Strike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I've flipped through the ones you sent us multiple times and I see new stuff every time. Yeah. And there's um, Crash Magazines as well. Um Actually, some that I don't actually have, even though I've got sort of like a whole bundle of them. It's like a cool advert for Ya Kung Fu. There you go. It's um, funny because most of those covers, even though um, I haven't ever like held more than one of those magazines in my life, because of Retro Gamer Magazine, I've seen a lot of those covers <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah that's like a Godzilla shooting laser memes. Yeah, and this, this one's, uh, I really like this one. This is the Mikey cover. I've never played that game, but have yeah, you not? Mike, oh, right. it's quite quite a cool little game actually. I know it's a kid um, like in class, and he's like, yeah, that's it, yeah. kissing up yeah, on the girls or something. What? Hey, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Done in, it was done in um, done in the uh, the arcade first, and then it was done. It's Konami game. So oh, really? Cool. I didn't know it was an arcade yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even yeah. know that. And then there's like this one with the um, with the fabled Night Rider by Ocean. Which was uh, took absolutely ages to uh, get released, and then by the time it got released, people realised that it just wasn't worth bothering with, and <laughs> just a feeble tie-in with um, with uh, with the TV. I was a, I was I gotta admit, as a kid, I was a huge fan of Knight Rider. Like, yeah, I loved too. it. I loved it. Absolutely. I watched every episode. 
every I'll, episode. I'll have to admit, as a uh, thirty plus year old, I'm a huge fan of David David Hasselhoff in general. <laughs> yeah, of the course, Hulk. the Hoff, the Hoff man. Have you ever heard his music? I, is, I, I've heard it here and there. Yeah, <laughs> it is a delicatessen, man. That is, uh, yeah, jump in my car. I mean, top Jump five. My car. Da, da, I want to take you home. Da, 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 da. <laughs> then the girls in back. Love that car. I yeah, love that. <laughs> so cute. It's funny because Eric's probably never heard it. Like no one in the states has heard that car. I had to like go out yeah. of my way to see like what does David Hasselhoff even sing? Because obviously in, yeah. in Germany he's huge for some reason. He is huge. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, like, he's, ma- he's well. I mean, he's a tall guy anyway. But yeah, he's yeah, massive yeah. in Germany. Um, <laughs> and I was always like, massive for what? Because they're talking about music. I'm like, I've never heard him sing or do uh, like. So I had to look yeah. it up. And yeah. oh my goodness, but he he even sung at the, when they tore down the Berlin Wall. I mean, that's just uh, just unreal. David Hasselhoff, come on. I mean, <laughs> he's known for Night Rider and and Baywatch, really, isn't he? Let's let's face it. He should have um, just ran down the wall with his shirt off. Is what he. Should've yeah, done. he should have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throwing the no, 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 David. Thing. Keep your shirt on. Keep your shirt on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got the you haven't got the touch up on it on this. No, keep your shirt on. <laughs> so, Eric, I don't um, know how to transition to this next one. All right, so well, there's, 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 hang on. There's one important night rider oh, okay. question that needs okay. answering. Oh, okay. I, I, I will answer it. April or Bonnie? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> for me, it's Bonnie. Absolutely, Bonnie, the original. The original the Bonnie, because she's brunette. I, I'm not a big blonde. Like, I'm an, I guess I'll go with Pamela Anderson. Is that what? No, that's Baywatch. Like the mechanic for Kit, like the guy, the, yeah. the, the guy. I shouldn't say the, that. It's, that's not appropriate. But the gal. The gal who works on Kit, the mechanic. Yeah. There was, uh, in the beginning of the series, there was Bonnie, and then Bonnie. it... Trans, it, it switched to April later in the series, and she was a. Uh, they're all hot women that were working on Kit, as they um, should be, as they should be. It's but the seventies, yeah, early eighties. I was definitely more Bonnie for sure. Yeah, and then Bonnie came back later, but in between there was um, RC three as well, wasn't there? Yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. So oh, anyway. <laughs> what? enough, enough. Oh, we're enough. doing a show. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so for this next one, uh, Cody, do you have the music, the, the lifetime drama music, uh, lifetime? Oh, oh that's really loud. It's always really loud. Oh, okay. Right. I'll just, I'll do it. So yeah, <laughs> we'll begin that, that way. But <clears throat> so as a co-host of, uh, of a podcast, I, I did a show a couple, couple days ago, a few days ago and. We were talking about a game, and I said that I had dabbled in it and over the years, had played here and there, and had save files all over the place. And this is hard for me to talk about. <laughs> I wish we had the music. I'll, I'll put the music. It'll still be running yeah, in the background. Please, put all the right, music right. in post here. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was talking about that I dabbled in it, and I played, and I had save files everywhere. And it was, uh, you know, it's taken me hours of playing it and this and that, and then the co-host I was with said, "Yeah, I beat it in two and a half hours." <laughs> I noticed that, and uh, that sounded just like now, me. Actually, now, that's interesting. Now listen, <laughs> I, I'm a professional podcaster, so I was like, <laughs> I fought back the tears, I swallowed them down, and I finished that episode. Cody, you were so harsh, man. But <laughs> I'm a jerk. But, but listen, but listen, you could like so we're done with the podcast and he walks me to the car like a gentleman. <laughs> Thank you. And uh 
I'm, I'm st- kicked him in the nuts. Yeah. No, I'm, st- I'm still fighting back the tears, and I shook his hand, as we do after every podcast. <laughs> we do? I shook his hand. I said, thank you. It was a great episode. And I sit in my car. He goes inside the house, back inside the house. It's nighttime. It's raining. And Eric just <laughs> cries. <laughs> crying. You're crying. No, listen. So- it, it, it's raining. It's raining outside. <laughs> In the middle of summer, but but just picture this. It's raining, and I'm sitting in the car out in front of Cody's house, or, or my co-host, I'm sorry. I'm whoever not, I'm whoever not, that might be. I'm trying not to shame anybody here. <laughs> and I sat in the car for about two hours, and I cried. <laughs> I cried. And then I went home, and I vowed that I would beat that game, and I did. Kirby's what? Adventure on Nintendo. <laughs> I beat it. I finally beat it, and uh, it was it is awesome. Very cool, so, Eric. Thank you. Nice one, Eric. Curse you, Cody. But that one was <laughs> Cody made me a better man eventually. <laughs> uh, but I, I did. It was tough love, but uh, I did beat it, and I, I got to tell you, it is by far my favorite game on the original Nintendo. I love that right. game. So I'm hoping I find another game that will supplant that one. I mean, maybe a Mega Man or something eventually that I play all the way through, but so far, that's my favorite one, and I beat it, and I, 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 I it took me probably three, three and a half hours. I mean, I played yeah. it here and there, but... That's probably honestly where I was. I yeah. probably miscalculated, but yeah. Awesome game. Loved it. So thank you, Cody, for the motivation. Oh, the hard luck the hard luck motivation. Or whoever that was. Exactly. Or whoever <laughs> that was. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is a bit of a funny story too. <laughs> I was listening to that this morning out on my run. <laughs> I was passing like three or four people and I just literally just burst out laughing with Cody. <laughs> I've been two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I feel say, "Oh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like played it over ten days or something like that." Been in two hours. <laughs> and, and I'm a liar, apparently, because we were watching the video. And the guy, the guy went straight through it in like two and a half. So there's no way. <laughs> I know I didn't play it as clean as he did, or she, or whoever that was. But right, yeah, no, it's probably about three, three and a half, four. Just. But my point was... Right, right. Your point was it's not it was a good. long game. It yeah. was good enough and easy enough to just play through and That's enjoy, right. and it was awesome. And you yeah. were right. Once I dedicated uh, myself, it wasn't too bad. So, Tim, when are you, you going to finish it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Can <clears throat> we shame you now? <laughs> <laughs> CJ. We'll call you CJ, which is uh, Pamela Anderson's name from Baywatch, right? Oh, I, I, I never watched Baywatch. I've, I've never watched, watched that other show you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm actually starting going back through Baywatch now. <laughs> wow. Shamed yourself. We'll move on there. Yeah. Although I do remember his name. His name in there was Mitch Boop Buchanan, Mitch right? Buchanan, like the most yeah. the most manly name you could think of in the Mitch world. Buchanan. Mitch I'm and, Mitch Buchanan. And his Buchanan. annoying son played by that kid actor, um oh, what was his name? Brandon Cole. Oh, such a little creep. <laughs> anyway. Um <laughs> Yes, I um Funny enough, I had a message come through on Twitter the other day uh, from someone, and they must have dug through some of my old tweets. I mean, this is we're going back like two or three years or something. I'd forgotten I even posted about it. Um, but they said, um, uh, I've seen a tweet that you've got where you've got a Challenger disk drive for your BBC Micro. Are you interested in selling it? And I'm like, Okay, you know more than I have. I've obviously got this Challenger drive somewhere. So I said, I, I don't know. I'll have a look. Um, 
so I went through all my stuff and yep, lo and behold, I've got this Opus Challenger three disc drive. Oh and, no. <laughs> uh, I think when, when, when I, um, when I picked it all up, I, I might've set this up once or maybe even take took it out of the box. I don't know. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll have a look at it. And I said, if I can get it working, I'll, I'll might, might be interested in selling it. Um, so long story short, I, you know, the last couple of days I've been working on getting this challenger drive going. Um, but it, it's, it's namesake. It is actually a challenge to get this thing going. Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's actually a really complicated little device. Um, it's a disc drive, but it's also got, um, a 512k RAM disc on the base of the of the uh, unit um and i don't know if you know much about the bbc micro uh, but the bbc micro out of the box doesn't come with a disc controller doesn't come with the um the dos system so like adfs all built in and all that sort of stuff it's uh, you have to put a series of chips in which is the um the uh, disc controller mechanism and then also um the um the ADFS and all that sort of stuff, but this has got it all built into the unit plus a RAM disc and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I just managed to get all this going in the end. Um, but it was a, it was a real challenge, um, because it was, uh, getting the ROMs in the right place and cleaning the drive and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, so I've, I've got it all going. Um, now we just need to agree on a price because I have no idea on the value of this thing. Oh, um, I was going to ask so, you, is it rare? Is there, I mean, it must be for someone to reach rare. out. I mean, I, I can't find any trace of it on eBay. Oh, wow. Um, you know, in, in the past or, or now. Um, I know that there's a couple of articles about it. Um, and one of the guys that has written an article about it, I've reached out to him to say you know i've got one of these it's all fully boxed and all that sort of stuff how much is it worth so i'm just waiting to hear back from him um so yeah it's looking like that will go on its way um because this particular person has a lot of personal memories of their father and all that sort of stuff of when they bought their bbc micro so i'm i'm not looking to you know massively profit profit out of anything just pay off um, the house uh, yeah well, yeah <laughs> Exactly. Like, you know, I, I want to be fair to them and fair to me. You know, I'm not I'm not looking to, you know, thousands of pounds or something ridiculous like that. It's, it's not about that. Um, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, bo- we're both getting a good deal out of it. Did the, the person didn't offer you any money? Uh, they 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 have made me an offer on it, um, but I said I wanted to just check because I w- didn't want to. Of course, because I don't know the value. I don't know whether that's a good offer for me, yeah. or good offer for them. If you see what I mean. So what's I your gut? What, what's your gut tell you on his offer though? Was it good? I mean, you don't need to say it. Was it good or bad? I mean, was it like? Did your eyes bulge out? Were you like? Eh? No, I, I think it's a fair offer. To be honest with you, I think okay. they're probably about right. Okay. Um, good. Good. But. That's just my gut instinct, but I know that these things aren't particularly common, so I don't want to undersell it either. You don't want to find out that this is like akin to an Apple One. 
Right. Like, it's not going to be an Apple one in any case. <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a lovely piece of kit. To be honest, I've got it going. I'm like, oh, do I really want to sell this now? <laughs> yeah. You never cared before. Yeah. You won't care now. Yeah. Never, never cared before. It's been sat in the box. So yeah, let's just move it on. And I need to do it. that. I have a, a whole bunch of disk drives that aren't working that I'm probably just going to sell not working, but I've got one of them that everyone's ears perk up. It's probably not that fancy, but the Indus. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for my Atari, this Indus. The one with the black smoke front on and that sort of thing. Isn't yeah. One? Yeah, I've got all the literature and a box and everything. And everyone's like, oh, it's an Indus. And I'm like, what does it do different than another disk drive? And they're like, nothing. Yeah, it's just an Indus. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they sold those for the Commodore 64 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Just before we move on, that's a nice segue. Thank you, uh, Eric. Commodore 64 stuff. Yeah. Um, just before the Ooh, breaking news, yeah, this is the last last one too. A couple of days ago, and I haven't posted anything about it. I'm very, very excited. Oh, uh, here he goes again, back into his cave. Yeah, I kind of alluded to this on my. I don't know if you guys. I know. I think Eric uh, Cody uh, listened to it anyway. I don't know if you listened to it, but my quick and dirty buys. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Buyers yeah. guide. I kind of alluded to this onto the on the on the on the podcast. Um, but um, those look like I've flat packs. A whole bunch of games, okay. This games, and they were not cheap. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they look like American flat packs. I was not particularly popular for this particular purchase, but anyway. Uh-oh. So one of the the crown jewels is this money on the road. Oh wow! On disc, you specifically <laughs> this said is, this thing is worth its weight in gold. <laughs> You specifically said on our podcast that you wouldn't own one of those because it's just too darn expensive. <laughs> and literally days later, you're and a liar. look, it's in the box and everything. It looks amazing. It's a flat pack, right? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. just amazing. It's brilliant condition. Um, open it up, and um, oh, I can't get. Oh, those yeah. are cool. That's not a flat pack. That's like a almost like a book. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, these book. are these are the traditional C sixty four packages. So I got oh, one cool. on the run. But I didn't just get that. This is why I bought it and I paid a bit for it, is I got some others. So I got uh, the Elite Hit Pack. So that's got uh, Scooby-Doo, Fighting Warrior 1942, Sacred Army, Van Tyriad, Jet Set Willy 2, Split Personalities, and Duet, which is a free game, which is exclusive to this. And it's like a, a dual-player commando. I don't know if okay. you can see that. Um, oh, so that's, that's cool. Only on there. So that's only yeah. on the hit pack. And then this is a double. So I've got this one already. So that's Bounder on the C64. Yeah. Um, that's I'm a nice sure one. You've probably played before, Eric. That's I a have. really good game. I have, yeah. Uh, that, was a, that was a Zap Gold <laughs> medal winner, that one. It's a really, really cool game. So that's another Gremlin graphics. Um, I got. Uh, I'll go through this as quickly as possible. Disc Dissector version 5, which is like a, <laughs> a disutility. Hey, that's a fun game. <laughs> Uh, that looks like utility. It's all white and blue only yeah. cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one, which is actually oh, there quite you go. rare in the oh, box. Yeah. Things, so Super Sprint. Um, that is cool. Normally, yeah, normally this came in sort of like the small, smaller dual case, which is literally about the size of the disc. But the, the fun th- the odd thing that I found with this one is the disc. I thought, well, maybe someone's done something really weird with it. But the disc is actually, it's got an... It's from the disc 50. What does that mean? 
I don't uh, know what well, that that's means. The, the, that's the 50 games on one disc disc. Oh. But it's actually got that over it. So I don't know whether this is the original disc or whether, and because it looks like the label's been peeled off here or something. I don't like know. they bootlegged it, popped it on there, and put a label on it or something. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. So, But it's got the original case, so hmm, meh, whatever. Um, and then there's another one, which is... Um, oh, Green Beret is excellent. Konomi coin-off hits. I've actually got Green Beret on disc, but this has got the, the five games. So that's got Mikey, which we talked about a minute ago, yep. Yar Kung Fu, which we had the advert for, Hypersports, Ping Pong, and obviously Green Beret. So that's that one. Green Beret um, here in the U.S. was called Rush and Attack. Rush and Attack. Rush which was awesome. Attack. Um, and uh, this one, Fist 2. So follow on to where the Exploding Fist. But even though... It's got the original disc. It doesn't actually have Fist 2 on the disc. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, uh, Samantha Fox. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last but not least <laughs> is Poster Paster uh, by Tarset, which is a classic little C64 game. Um, and uh, yeah, so some of these I'm actually going to be selling off. Uh, because I need to recoup the money. <laughs> <laughs> I like those cases, though. We didn't have that here. I mean, not yeah, that I knew of. Yeah, I've got really, a couple really of the ones. Uh, I got these flat packs. <laughs> now those <clears throat> exactly. Now you that Eric helped me. Uh, help yeah, me yeah, acquire. exactly. Those are like the LP style, and that one's still in the in the plastic. Yeah, this one's still <laughs> sealed. This is um adventure yep. construction set. Yep. I kept a few of the ones I thought looked cool just because they're like album art, you know, Axis yep. Assassin, which actually looks kind of like a um, Tempest type, type game. Yeah. Sky Fox. Sky Fox. Archon. This one, Archon is, I had to keep the Archon. Yeah. I, that's a classic game. And it's cool. Anyways, but these were, yeah, these are just cardboard, like a vinyl cover, although they do kind of flip out cool. They do flip out cool. There's a lot of info in there. I mean, th- th- those were, ve- those are very sought after. Those are definitely collector items. There's a, a thing, um, I don't know if you covered it on, maybe on the top of the first episode, I think you covered it on the top of the first episode, um, episode 60, but um, Flack did um, Ball Blazer. Yes, he did. And um, I went on to the Ram OK, Rom OK um, uh, forum. forum. Yeah. We, we, we've covered covered, <laughs> covered Ram OK, Rom OK quite a bit in the last month. Um, and... Um, yeah, so I uh, he posted on there that he did his recent uh, Ball Blazer um, update. Uh, so he did a, did the podcast on uh, Sprite Castle on Ball Blazer, and he said that it would come out by Epics. And I put a comment on there saying, "Oh wow, I didn't realise that Ball Blazer would came out by Epics first off." And then I looked up on my shelf. And that was one of the ones you sent me, and it's in the Epics box. Yes, it is. <laughs> there you go. I, I still remember the box. Yeah. You are, like, no. you are correct. That, that, I only know Ball Blazer from Epics. Gotcha. Yeah. But yep. it was uh, over here, it's definitely released on, on Activision. It never came over here from Epi- Epics. So okay. it's only, only ever Activision. Gentlemen, anyway, on the side. I think it's time for us to dig into some good games, shall we? Let's do it. How many do you Let's think do we it. should do? How many should we do this time, Tim? Mm, I think maybe six. So we're doing six good games on the legendary system, the TI-99-4A, which is a 
newly acquired system by Tim, right? Yeah, absolutely. Loving it. Yep. So we are going to jump into six good games. And how difficult was it for you, Tim, to find six good games? Because you've never really experienced any TI-99 games. How many games would you say you went through before you could get the games you're looking for? Honestly, I yeah. found it difficult narrowing it down to just two games. <laughs> Did you? Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good news. I, 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 like I said earlier, I love, I love the TI-99 4A. A fantastic little system. And yeah, like any system, there's some trash, there's some hot trash out there. Um, and there's some conversions and all that sort of thing. But there are some real gems on this system. And yeah, again, the games are relatively simplistic. You know, this is 98, 1982, 83, 84, that sort of thing, where it's obviously in its heyday. It didn't last very long, didn't have a massive shelf life in terms of sort of like the full price of the system. Um I understand sort of like over there, what was it probably by 96, these things were, uh, sorry, 86, these things were getting blown out. Um, That's correct. Really, really cheap. We did have the officially over here, but they never really made any big impact over here in, in the UK. Um, they looked really cool. They had a nice keyboard, but you know, they, they couldn't stand up against the, the, the might of the Specky and the C64 over here and all, you know, and the Amstrad to a certain extent. Right. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a great system. You know, I I wish I'd you know had more time to to dig into it and you know really properly. But you know, I did put a fair bit of time into this one. Good, um, and came up with I think some some good little games. Um, and, and I think so, in the uh, stainless steel version, it is the best looking system, at right. least the most unique. But in my opinion, the best looking system. And when I think about when I think about the TI ninety nine four A, I think it somewhere sits in between for me the Vic twenty and the Commodore sixty four. Like it mm-hmm. didn't have the breadth of library as the Commodore sixty four. It didn't have quite the sound as the Commodore sixty four. But it it the graphics and the gameplay were somewhere between Vic twenty and Commodore sixty four, at least to me. And, and if you played any of the newer modern games that were released for it, you can realize it was actually a lot closer than yep. many of the programs let it look like. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. absolutely. Now, th- me growing up with the TI, my little history of it was um, I had one friend who had a TI ninety nine four A when I first met him, and he probably had it for a good six months before he moved on to the next computer, the Commodore 64 that he had. So I got to play two or three games. One of the games is the one I'm going to talk about tonight. But um, I only knew one person who had a TI-99, but I do definitely remember them in getting blown out at Toys R Us, like <laughs> towards the end of its life, like you could pick up like a TI-99 4A for like 30 bucks. Awesome. Uh, and there was a trade-in for Commodore. Like, if you traded in your TI-994A, you sent it to them, you could get some kind of money off of a Commodore 64. I don't know if any of our listeners remember this, but Toys R Us, I remember for sure there was this little sign-up saying, hey, you send us your TI-994A, we will give you, it might have been like 50 bucks off or something, or 100 bucks off. I don't remember the number, but you could trade it I in. I want to know what they did at Commodore with those TI-99s. I'm, I can, I'm sure I, there is a room like full of seances and weird stuff that went on with the TI-99 4A. I bet there's a hole in the desert somewhere <laughs> that TI-99 4A's got dumped into, but I do remember that. And that kind of drove... I, I know the price war. TI got like just devastated by the 
price war in the U.S. Yeah. Like Commodore 64 just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. TI was like, we, we're not going to make any money. We can't make any money. And Commodore was like, I don't care. We're taking all the things. And they did. And they took all the things. They probably took chips out of the TN-99s they sent and turned them into <laughs> quote-unquote new Commodores. They could have yeah, been. The Jack Tramiel was something. They probably ground down the silicon from the chips and made more MOS chips from it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And the last thing I want to cover is the first TI-99 that came out was in the uh, stainless steel and black look. And if you haven't seen it, it looks like a DeLorean. It's it looks a DeLorean like a DeLorean with a keyboard on it. A yeah. beautiful machine. Beautiful. Then they came out with a price reduced one, which was a very uh, nasty, whitish beige uh-huh. color plastic. Um, and it had a, a um, chip a in lot. there. It, yeah. Well, yeah, it had, it had a thing in there where, which wouldn't allow the play of third-party cartridges. Exactly. And so it became this undesirable TI, and I have a couple of couple of them sitting in my garage. They Although li- I've heard not all of them have that. It's like a partial. That's right. That's right. Not all of them will have it, but if you have a white, plasticky, beige one, there is a chance that it is one that will not play third-party cartridges because TI tried to lock that down so that you had to come to them to license stuff, kind of like Nintendo, um, and so it, it, it. You, if you go on eBay, you you will find these cheaper TIs for much, much less money, but they they will have a problem playing some of those older games. I mean, or those third party games. Yep, yep, yep. So let's go ahead and delve on into this thing. Okay, uh, let's dive right into Eric's first game. Shall <laughs> oh, we? I'm first, huh? Yep, Eric is up. So the very first game I wanted to talk about was kind of a lighter affair. It's more of an arcade-style game called Ambulance. And this was one of the first games that someone... Uh, there's a guy on Twitter named Paradroid. His name's Dan. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's one of our Patreon subscribers, so <clears throat> thank you, Dan. But one of the first games he told me about was this game called Ambulance. And it is a quick and dirty arcade game kind of a maze game where you go around playing as an ambulance, you drive around and there are these flashing buildings, which are buildings that have sick people in them that need medical attention. You're an ambulance with no respect from the common, uh, drivers of the city that yeah they don't care they don't give they don't give way to ambulances they just don't care yeah exactly they're too busy they got things to do and places to be very busy little city and no respect for you so if you can picture this, the screen, there's the hospital, which is weirdly placed over a railroad, a very busy railroad, railroad tracks. Track. It's a really it's bad the other side of the tracks, <laughs> a really bad location for an ambulance. But this is more of a top down kind of maze style looking game. You drive around these flashing buildings, you pick up sick people, you take them to the ambulance and you drop them off. And meanwhile, buildings just keep flashing. They will turn red. And that means the person's about to die. And if they die, you lose a person. <clears throat> now, you have, there are a- your ambulances. So if you crash into another car or you run into the train, you lose an ambulance. But there's also people. And if you lose a people, or a person, I should say. A people. A people. If you lose a people, um, <clears throat> you ha- you run out of those as well. And I think you start off with four of those, and you start off with three ambulances. And that's it. And that so it's a very simple but fast-paced arcade game. You pick up things. Now, one thing that threw me off in this game was I drove to the buildings and like nothing happened. You have to push up against the oh. building yeah, to make the person jump in. 
And then you go over to the hospital and you drop the person off and then you go and you get the next one. This is an arcade game, so it is like an arcade style game, I should say. It is a high score game. So this would be a fun one to try to just have a high score with your buddies trying to get a high score. Otherwise, there's really no ending that I know of to this game. It just keeps going on and on. The city does change, like the way the city looks. There's the map, different city blocks. The map changes. The um, the speed of which people get sick and then the buildings start flashing to go get them increases in speed as you move along. It becomes a very challenging game. But I I still load this up whenever I boot up my TI-99. I love this game. I think it's a great little arcade game. Did you guys get a chance to play this? Yeah, I played it. <clears throat> it's one of the first games I loaded up, actually. And um, I couldn't really play it that well because I didn't have the joystick. And <laughs> keys just sucked. <laughs> yeah, you Welcome need, to uh, my world with the BBC Micro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you need you need, really need a joystick to play this yeah. game. But yeah. uh, so do you now that you have a joystick, did you get to play it yet with the joystick or not yet? I, I played I played it a little bit because I, I literally when I was choosing games, I've, I just started going down through the whole list in, on the flash bomb cart. Um, and I gave this a little bit more time, but I didn't really delve into it because I, I probably knew that you were going to pick this one anyway, because uh, it was one of your games. So um, I didn't really spend a huge amount of time on it, but it's one I definitely want to go back and play more. The, the thing that I find a little bit weird weird about it not weird but um that when i first looked at it i thought this is like a um an early version of ghostbusters you know like on ghostbusters on the 64 where you've got the buildings and then you have to go around you mean the one that's made by david crane the by (laughs) david crane yeah exactly exactly um yeah i i yeah it's great little game uh I, w- I want to play more a lot of these about games. It. I I enjoyed it too. A lot of these games suffer nowadays from that same thing, which is I want to like beat things and accomplish things. Right, and the score just keeps going up. This one just you just keep going, yep. and it, things get a little faster, a little faster. It's but... always been a challenge for me with any old games that are yeah. score only based. You know, there's but no real ending on this one. If you have somebody else with you and you're going back and forth, handing off the controller, heck yeah, yep. You're in, you're in an infinite loop. So do you guys play my favorite classic TI ninety nine game called I Bigfoot? Did. This, this was one I was going to choose, actually. I was close on this one. Let, let yeah. me take a look at this game, because I, I might have played it before. When I first uh, told you guys we're doing TI-99, I said, but no matter what, I get I get Yeti. Because I thought it was called Yeti, but it's called Bigfoot. Yeti, it's not as Bigfoot. So I was trying to... Uh, this is the game I was trying to reserve, so I'm glad you didn't um, stick to the word Yeti, and I was able to grab it. So anyways... This game, which should be called Yeti, but it's called Bigfoot. You're on a snow-covered mountain, you know, where, like, Yetis would live. Right. And you're um, a mountain climber. And so there's all these little platformers, or platforms, and uh, you can climb up platforms. There's little packages you can get. You have to collect all the packages. Uh, but to climb up to each um, platform, you have to toss your rigging, I guess, like your your rope up yeah. to the next platform from the previous yeah. platform. And... Uh, and grab the little packages, and then when you grab the pack a package, now I'm sure there's a storyline here, but when you grab a package, these little mounds of snow start glowing. And I think it like shows the gold is now available. I don't honestly know what the storyline is, but is that like when you pee in the snow? It's, yeah, it turns to, it turns <laughs> to yellow, yellow it turns, snow. Turns into yellow snow. Right? It honestly turns to yellow snow. Perfect. You collect one of those, and then, <laughs> then you have to go grab another package so you can grab more yellow snow. Makes sense. You get all yellow snow. <laughs> Uh, then you can finally make your way to the top of the mountain where you are 
uh, collected, I believe, by a helicopter and taken off the mountain. This whole time, the Yeti, I'm sorry, Bigfoot, yeah. is at the top of the mountain throwing these snowballs at you that will land on every platform and roll closer to where you are. Mm-hmm. So the whole time you're thinking about where I should be to make the snowball go where I'm not trying to go. Do you know the interesting thing about this is that um, this guy on here is making the video that we're looking, he's making it look very easy. It's not that easy when I played it. <laughs> that snowball is like a homing snowball. Yep. <laughs> well, when he start- knows exactly where you're going. Yep. And uh, so I actually did get pretty good at this level. The next level I did not master. Uh, but I could make it three or four levels in. and But they're all different. I mean, they're all laid out differently. And you kind of have to learn. Yeah where you can go to trick the snowball into going where you're not trying to go. I'm going to have to play yeah. this. I, I never played this. So. It, this is my favorite classic TI-99 I'm gonna, 4A game. I'm going to play this one. Excellent. This is, this is another one by Milton Bradley as well. Yeah. They, they've done some good games on the TI-99. Yep. I need to, and they did lose an opportunity. They should have named this one Yellow Snow. Or Yeti. Or Yeti. Or Yellow Yet- Snow, or I'll accept Yeti. Or Yeti 2, Yellow Snow. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Skipping Yeti one <laughs> altogether, just Yeti, Yeti, sure. Yeti two, Yellow Snow. Yeah. All right. All right. So, what does Tim got here? Tim is so on. I have got Honey Hunt. Yay! This is one I never clicked on. I've never clicked <clears throat> yeah. on this one. I've I've seen it and never clicked on it. It seems like a children's entertainment game. Exactly. Edutainment. That's what I but I was going down through the list literally, so I just went game by game by game, and I loaded this one up and i'm like yeah i love this and and lucky um, us the uh, youtube video the one i can find is only 28 seconds long so <laughs> yeah we're gonna, gonna watch a lot of it we're gonna loop we're gonna loop this over and over so this but is to be so- honest with you, you you don't really need more than 28 seconds no. to understand the game that's the simplicity <laughs> of it so you you are a bee you're flying over a meadow of grass the glu- the um the flowers bloom um, when the flowers are in bloom you can go over and collect the nectar um, along the way, you have to avoid dragonflies. Um, you have to avoid spiders' webs. And if you get s- the scariest thing on this game is the first time you get caught in the spider's web, that you get caught and bam, the spider comes down and it's the scariest looking spider. <laughs> so if you've got arachnophobia, don't play this game. <laughs> oh, just terrifying. Um, and you also have, uh, what's the, uh, the correct phrase that they use in this? Um, uh, the spider's webs. Um, uh, duh, duh, duh. I know the honey bear comes eventually. Yeah, and- the, 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 there's the honey bear. Um, uh, oh yes, the bee assassins. Now they are oh. evil. <laughs> they're basically wasps, right? <laughs> yeah, they they just come along and they're sort of like Meh, and they just move, 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 and bam, you're gone. Um, so you've got to be really quick to avoid the bee assassins. Um, there's the spider. It just comes in and just takes you away. Um, this one also has speech ability. Oh, so yes, it does. When the honey bear comes in, um, and he sort of like just randomly starts to appear in the top right of the screen, and he sort of like starts off small and then gets bigger and bigger and bigger and comes in and tries to nick your honey. Um, and apparently when he comes on the screen, he says, time to get the honey. <laughs> um, it's actually hilarious it's actually a really good sample and it sounds it's makes me laugh every time i hear it 
Yeah. And the, I can't remember the funny little quips, but it's one of the things that got me about this game is, is there's really a nice sense of humor in the game. Um, it's colorful. It's just great fun to play. It's another score based game. You know, it's relatively simple. Yeah. Um, just go around, collect the nectar, take it back to your beehive. Um, don't let the bear nick your honey. Avoid the um, the the spider webs and the spiders getting you and the bee assassins, um, and just get a many 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 points. Um, so this one, like I say, this is another Milton Bradley game. It was published in 1983. Um, just one I would thoroughly recommend just playing if you just want something that's just a you know a quick fun little score counting game. Um, and uh, yeah, did you know that the really full enjoyed this? The full name of this game is Samantha Fox Honey Hunt. Did you know that? <laughs> I, no. This is no, news. No. News to me. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I, there's actually a number of different um, speech call-outs, if I remember correctly. Because I did after you put this on here, I went and had to try it to be like, wait, what? Honey Hunt? All right, I'll give it a shot. I haven't played this one before, so I'd, I'd like to try it with the speech synthesizer in there. So I'll have yeah. to boot this up. So here's a uh, Pixel Guide and Strategy Guide. Okay. <laughs> when you play Honey Hunt on yeah. the TN99, which most of our youth are doing today. Yeah, of course. Um, go to an open flower. Yeah. Yep. And then just go up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, and you can up, hit that down, flyer. Up, down, up, down. Yep. You can get like 50 <laughs> points because you get 10 points each time you suck the nectar. Yeah. And yep. you can get like 50 off of one flower. And then I just hover in that area. I, when other flowers open at the other side of the screen, I ignore it. Yeah. I just wait for another flower to open next to me and then go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Take it back to that bee nest maximize that score eric that's right exactly that's the important thing don't get greedy make sure you take it back to the beehive otherwise you will get got by the killer and all your hard-earned nectar will be gone i'm gonna get that honey i'm gonna get that honey (laughs) i need a speech speech synthesizer just for this game i I might need to pull it up on my computer here real quick to, to to give it a shot but get the sample (laughs) <laughs> uh my first oh no that was my that's first three games already that's yeah, first three good right, next so i'm next huh this is one of the best regarded games on the ti 99 4a i'm not sure if you guys have heard of this it's it's typically spoken about as one of the first like fully comprehensive dungeons and dragons style games and it came out on the ti 99 4a um it is, I, I was telling you in the beginning of this segment about how I had one friend that had a TI-99. This is the one game that we played a lot, Tunnels of okay. Doom. Um, it, this one came out December 31st, 1982. So you got to imagine this is a very early game. But this game is pretty much everything you would kind of want in a D&D game on a, on a microcomputer of its time. Um it has a, a 3D world that you walk through, like a literally like where you walk like into the tunnel master. and you turn left or right and then you see monsters and you attack. Once a monster comes into view, well, first let's talk about the 3D maze. You're going through a 3D world, but there is also an auto auto mapping feature, which auto maps so you can see an overview of the map as you're walking through, which... No game of this time had anything like that. You had to kind of, you know, you you hear about people keeping like graph paper to make maps and stuff. Yeah. This one automatically mapped for you and you could see it. Metroid. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But this was in 82. So um, otherwise, though, when you are 
when when you see see an enemy, there's the 3D view. When you see an enemy in there, it jumps to an overview in a turn-based strategy. So there's the there's oh, the wow. auto mapping. Yeah, map looks good. So it auto maps it. Then you jump into this 3D turn-based kind of deal where you go into combat. You can have up to four players in your party. You play them all. Um, there's like fighters, rogues, wizards, um, stuff like that. Um, and you have your stat sheets where you have hit points, you have weapons, you have an inventory system for all of your players. You can change the order of your players. This is a very sophisticated D&D Dungeons and Dragons game um, for the for 1982 TI-994A. I mean, it, it is a blast to play. Um, it came on a cartridge, but yeah. you also had to have a disc or a cassette. The disc or cassette, whichever one you chose... When you bought the when you bought it, it always had the cartridge. But then the the um, the the game campaign came on either disc or tape, and it contained like a kind of more rudimentary one for that was more for little kids, and a more advanced ones that was for kind of adults. Hmm. Um, that was a little harder. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. So always with the cartridge, but then you got the disc or tape that had multiple campaigns on them. Now, how did you run that on our? Modern TN ninety nine. I use my Tippy. Okay, I so. have the Tippy device that simulates a disc system. So you actually had the um, yep the flash ROM. I did pull up the cartridge. Yep, and you had to audio load. The... And then in the Tippy, I just put in slot one the right campaign disc, and then it was off and running. Wow, it's easy to use that uh, in an emulator. A lot of the modern day emulators. There's one called Mess ninety nine or something. Um, it this is one of the included games in it because it's so popular. This is actually a really, really fun, really great Dungeons and Dragons game. It looks fun. It's pretty cool. I yeah, tried to load it up and I couldn't. Time, isn't it? And now I know why. Yeah, it's it is a very difficult game to get running on some systems because you need a cartridge or a disc or tape player as well. Yep. So that is Tunnels of Doom. Tunnels of Doom. Next. Oh, wicked cool. Tim? Uh, no, oh, I think I'm are, next. Are you going I'm next? next. Yeah. Okay. So, as I mentioned uh, earlier... Yeah. Um, the classic games are fun, but there's a lot of games now that have been released recently that show what the system can do. Okay. So I started delving into some homebrew, which I've never done before this month, to be honest with you. On the TI, yeah. On the TI, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Um, Hopefully there's a video of this game, because I am not seeing any video for the game. Um, wow. It doesn't should've... surprise me, because there's a lot of games that don't have video for this. Yeah, I should I should have recorded <clears throat> my own. Um, here, you know what I'll do? I'll put TI-99, I'll put Modern Games. Um, and if I can find the video I saw of this guy. Have you guys seen the uh, guy on YouTube who wears, like, moose antlers? Uh, He's a no. goofy, goofy dude. No. Um, well, shoot. I'll have to find it. Guy. Can you at least find a website with like screenshots? Yeah, let me do that. that. Let, me, yeah. let me do TI-99 Skyways here. I'm kicking my mic around. Mm. There we go. All right. So I'll click here for now. Um, anyways, this game. So you guys have probably heard of games. I know you've heard of Yump on yep. like Commodore 64. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, or games. I guess the original on the Atari was Cosmic Causeway. There's a, there's a couple games that are like that on the Atari. Yep. Yeah. Cosmic I think, Causeway was actually a Trailblazer. 
Trailblazer yeah. Two. You're right. Yeah. So okay. Trailblazer would be, I think, I believe, the first game of this style. Now, mm-hmm. I have played those two, and I have played Yump. Yeah. And I have played other ones since, and yeah. none of them they have a, like this bouncing ball that you like have to time right. Like yeah. it's frustrating, and I never enjoyed it. This is the best game I've ever played of this style. Okay. So if you don't know what that style is, you're essentially a ball rolling. Um, in, like into the screen, but it's kind of a 45 degree view down on the ball, so you can see what's coming up in like a vanishing point kind of a, a way. Right. Yeah, kind of a, almost like a 3D perspective, isn't it? Yep. So in this game, you're literally just rolling down a track. You go left and right. Okay. And your goal is to touch different colored tiles on this grid-based tile, which really uh, sells the movement. And those tiles, depending on their colors, are either worth uh, some points, lots of points, and they can also speed or slow down your ball. You can also mm-hmm. jump. Now, unlike Yump, uh, you can you jump when you want to jump. You jump when you press the button rather than just constantly bouncing. Um, so you're basically just trying to stay on the track and collect as many of these um, colors as you can. I'm trying to wait for one here on the video where he actually speeds up. But um, he might be avoiding them in this particular video. But what I love about it is you get further and further in the game, and you actually complete levels and go on to different levels. So it's, it's got that level progression, and I got stuck playing this for quite a while because I was having a great time with it. Very playable, very smooth scrolling. Um, the only weird thing about it is, and and the music's actually like I, I mean, when I think of TN99 sound, I hear beeps and boops, but That's this, right. has, this has music. So oh, okay, cool. The game looks excellent. It looks as good as Yump. Um, I kind of like the fact that you're not constantly bouncing because that is yep. that makes the games very much more difficult. This this one looks right like like a, a the proper mixture in this kind of game. Yeah, I, I had a blast with this, and this is will be the, probably the number one game I load up every time I pull up my TI ninety nine now. Um, and this free, right? Yeah. Yep. This was part of some kind of game jam. So you got to get this one. Uh, the only thing that my only complaint is that when you beat a level. Your ball randomly like jumps up in the air and floats off, so you feel like you're jumping when you accidentally didn't mean to jump. Okay. Those little, uh, those little, looks yeah, little like swarm of bees, or yeah, yeah, that's a bad guy. You don't want to touch those. And of course, you don't want to fall off the track, which has holes in it and goes left and right. And anyways, yeah, it was great. And it was made by uh, this guy, River <clears throat> Patroller, on Atari Age. So you can go down there and download it for free. Just grab it. Um, and I think they they did make um, some cartridges as well. But I'm gonna grab that one. I'm gonna write Skyway. it down. I'm gonna write it down right now. Skyway. All right. So Tim, he's gonna have the last laugh here. Yeah. Now this one for me is kind of like a bit of a left field game because it's not the one I would kind of normally choose. But there was a, I don't know if you remember a while back uh, when I first started. And one of the only times I've really started uh, using the Pico 8 stuff, uh-huh. um, I looked through Splore and I found sort of like a little um, space exploration game. Oh, never mind. Uh, but it I was thought- like a, a single screen and you had some uh, enemies on the screen that you had to destroy and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's uh, like based on a sort of like a grid. So you've got like a grid system. Now, this yeah. is a game called Space Patrol. Um, it's published by Databiotics um, and was programmed by Sunware in 1983. Now, on the game, they entitled this Galactic Cops and Robbers. 
So essentially you are kind of like the good guys and you're trying to blast the bad guys out of, um, out of existence. Um, I've not been able to find a huge amount about this game. So I've kind of chosen one, which is a little bit bizarre and a little bit left of field. Um, so I've, I've looked, try and look for a manual for it. Couldn't really find a manual. There was a few bits on Atari age where they said, Oh, we'll post a manual, but no one's actually done that yet. Um, but anyway, so this is kind of um, uh, a space sh- adventure type of game. Um, you have um, a single screen that you start out on, um, and it randomly warps you into a um, one of the uh, uh, grid locations. And on that grid location, you can have uh, different types. So you can have um, a star. So like a little uh, space star, then you have a you can have a star base, you can have uh, your starship, which you have to control around with the joystick and you have an enemy which you have to destroy. Um, Now, you kind of like um, you don't take it in turns, but it's kind of turn based. So when you shoot, um, they shoot back at you and you've got to try and avoid their shots. Uh, There you go, Cody. It's there. It's, It's only like a 20 24 second um video so it's pretty yeah. short but you, you can actually <laughs> see what i mean there you go um, so if you pause it there it might be better to pause it to give you a more of a better idea because it's almost over um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> so as you go in uh, you can you you get randomly put into one of those blocks or squares or sectors now it looks like it's an eight by eight grid um, so you can go and it goes zero, 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 one, zero, two, and all that sort of stuff up to zero, seven, um, and then down to, uh, seven, seven, I think it is, or eight, seven, gotcha. um, seven, seven. Um, now you can warp around each different level. Um, so you've got different keys that you can press. So, um, you can fire, which you can do with either the cursors and the F key on the keyboard or on the joystick, which is what you really want to do. Um, you press W so you can warp to different locations. Um, so you press W and then you enter your, uh, grid location. So at the moment on the video, he's on four comma seven. So you press W and you press, um, like one, two, one, three, one, four, something like that. Yeah. Um, and the idea is, is obviously you've got to clear the whole grid of all your enemy ships. Now, one thing that I couldn't find, um, and if you just pause it there, Cody, for a second, is can you see the long range scanner? Yeah. So yeah, you've got these different numbers. So on the screen here, you've got um, sort of like denoting there's a star, a base station and an enemy ship. And you've got a number denoting each by by each one of them, which is three zero five. So I'm assuming that says another on your long range scanner. There's another grid which has got three stars, zero base ships and five enemy ships. Gotcha. But I couldn't actually work out what they're talking about in terms of the how that works in terms of where you are, if you see what I mean, and where you might walk to next, how far long range that is. Um, in the time that I've had with the game, I couldn't actually work this dynamic out. So maybe if I can find some instructions or something like that, it might make the game that little bit better where you can understand the long range scanner. But anyway, um, as you go around the game, you you get plonked into uh, this particular situation. Um, You can assess the situation. You can look at it and think, right, well, there's five, six aliens on this screen. I've got 
x amount of energy so you've got on the on the screen you've got your energy which you can convert energy points into your shields um so you press s on the keyboard so you've got 5000 energy points so if you've got like five or six enemies on the screen you know that you're going to want to up your shields so you can take so many hits before you are able to destroy all those aliens on that particular screen um so as you go round through the game, this simple premise is that you've got to kind of like work out the strategy to to blow up as many aliens to clear each grid um, as you go through the game. Um, and I just found this quite a fascinating little game, really. Um, it's not something that I would normally play, um, but I just remembered this one from the Pico 8 game, which really kind of like piqued my interest. Yeah. Um, so I was I was just playing this one. Um, so I, I'd recommend having a quick look at this one if you haven't played it already. Did it, either of you guys play it? I didn't play this, but it does remind me of a game on early PC DOS games, uh, like uh, MS DOS games uh, on a TRS eighty model four. The TRS eighty model four. There's a game that that's just called Star Trek, mm-hmm. and it is yep. almost exactly like this, where you have the the those ships even look like little Klingon ships. That's right. Um, yep. But I don't remember the long range, short range sensor. So that might be almost that almost adds like a, a minefield, like what minesweeper, minesweeper, almost mm. like a minesweeper element because you don't know how many sectors away they are. Yeah, but you know that there's six enemies in some, like some, some sector, sector next to you that you're going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it almost adds that Minesweeper element to it, which I don't remember from those early Star Trek games, but it does remind me of those Star Trek games kind of way, because you would take your energy and you would send some to shields, some to torpedoes, some to phasers, and you would then go around and try to wipe enemies out. So it does yeah. look exactly like that. So that's cool. That would be interesting to see if there is a manual out there somewhere to learn how to play this right. Yeah. The other thing that I couldn't work out is that the, it says that you can dock with the base station. So when I actually eventually found one of the base stations, I got up close to it and pressed the D button to dock. And it said, oh, you're too far away. And I'm like, well, if I move any closer, it's just going <laughs> to So what, what do I do? I don't know. Um, but anyway. I, yeah. I think this is our... Um we buy the rights to Prima strategy guides. Yeah. <laughs> and this is guide number two. What was the one we talked about earlier? Honey Hunt. Honey Hunt, yeah. It's all TI9 games. They're all going to be like three to 400 pages full yeah. of strategy, tips, and tricks. Exactly. Pictures, editorials from the uh, editors. I think we're, we're on to something here. Perfect. Yeah. I think people yeah. are hungry. Our listeners are hungry, hungry for They're strategy hungry. guides on yeah. how to beat Space Patrol. <laughs> My favorite part about this game is the fact that they don't have enough room to write torpedoes, so they write torps. Yeah. Torps. Yeah, I, I get it. Tarps. And, the, and, the, and it's foes, not enemies. <laughs> yeah, foes, yeah. Not enemas. E&M. How could we take that wrong? Cool. That's six good GI-99 games, gentlemen. It is. Perfect. And it's an episode of Pixel Guide End. Ah, uh, coming to an end. Yep. We hope you guys enjoyed your June. We'll see you guys in July. Um, any ideas for uh, our six good games that we have off the top of our heads? I don't I like have anything this, in mind. I always like to have this bargaining right here on the show. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I know we should pick six games that are good. That's yeah, as much yeah, as I that's know. That's a good six start. Good games. Good games. Six good five, good games. Not four, not eight, but six. And in the past, we've done like four good and and two eh, <laughs> two gorfs. Or games that maybe don't quite fit the brief. You know? 
Um, one I had written down that we kind of like the concept of with games that were set in the future, but now are already in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a number of those right now. Uh, I want to do Jaguar games, but we need Eric to get up to speed. I do. I don't even have any way to emulate those right off the top of my head. So I'm going to have to do that. Or Aliens versus Predator versus yep. Marathon, which I would love that. Yep. Um, all right. We'll just have to think. Have to think of something. I'll have to think like we always do. Okay. Battle of the Systems. I have some notes at home, but for the life of me, I can't remember what I, I had thought of. I thought of something last night. I was like, oh, that might be a good Battle of the Systems. And like, I totally forgot. Yeah, put it in your phone. Put it in your notepad. I know. I know. Well, keep a lookout for uh, my YouTube video coming up for Cody's Corner segment. Yes. Even if you've already listened to it this month, you guys can see me add video to it. And, um, and, and Tim, are you doing any more YouTube shenanigans or Twitch shenanigans coming up? I was gonna Commodore. Uh, was gonna video eyes my Commodore sixty four one, and then I heard that you did a Commodore sixty four one. So I think I'll skip <laughs> that and do another one next month. <laughs> well, they're slightly different, so um, we kind of piggybacked at a good time. It kind of works. You were yeah. part one of two. <laughs> um, cool. All right, gentlemen. Well, until next time, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.